This episode of the Link Up Podcast is brought to you by Moody & Co. CBD is everywhere these days, from supplement and nutrition stores to gas station displays. With so many options, how can anyone make sense of what to buy, how to properly dose, or trust in the quality and purity of the products? Luckily, our friends at Moody & Co. have all your bases covered. Moody & Co.'s products started their life, hand-grown, and cultivated following strict organic growing practices in the fertile soil of the West Tennessee Delta. Each hemp plant was hand-planted on their family-operated farm, fed only high-quality organic nutrients, and finished their life free of any toxic pesticides and sprays. Moody & Co.'s world-class extraction and manufacturing partners are FDA-grade and CGMP compliant, so you can be sure each and every product is of the highest quality. What about potency and purity? Each of Moody & Co.'s products is third-party, lab-tested before and after the manufacturing process, and the tests are available for you right on their website. Their website is www.moodyand.co. I'll spell that for you. That's www.moodyand.co. How about that for transparency? Dosing instructions are on each bottle and their tinctures feature graduated droppers so you can be sure you are taking exactly what you need. With all the uncertainty about what goes into the products that go into you, you can rest easy with Moody & Co. CBD. Available at www.moodyand.co or on the shelf in Memphis and Oxford, Mississippi locations of Nail Bar & Co. Once again, I'll spell that website for you. It's www.moodeand.co. And now to our episode. So let me ask you, who do you think is the, the GOAT, Jordan or LeBron? I'm asking you because you're a big sports guy. Um, I just don't think it's comparable. That's not a good answer. That's the wrong answer. Is it just Jordan, <laughs> Jordan played with old men? No, bullshit. Man. You men. always say that. No. It's true. Everybody gets older. I mean, everybody advances with age. Yeah, right. No, no, no. I understand that part, but no. Like, like, do I you think, think it's tough? The do game think, was physical. Or do you more think physical? like the toughest guy in the UFC when it first started, like Hoist Gracie, do you think he could beat John Jones today? No. I think that's a great comparison. Like, so okay, you, you, follow, you follow UFC. I, I don't know shit about it. I, I like yeah. it every time I watch it, but like, I like, I like going to live hockey games, but I, like, I can rattle off anything about basketball, football, you know, um, baseball. I, I can't do that. I can't tell you 20 players that play in the NHL. I think it's cool as shit. Yeah. And I think UFC is cool as shit, but I don't, especially with two jobs and I travel. And as you get older, I mean, shit, I used to, all I did was watch sports. I knew, every stat, like where all 30 teams ranked in order, you know, like all that. I have barely have enough time to keep up with my own teams, you know? So, but yeah, you look at like the ninth and 10th ranked person fight in now in UFC, put them back in the first stages of UFC. They would beat the shit out of the number one person in like five seconds, you know? Yeah. And that, and people have nostalgia when they grew up. And I agree 1000% that the NBA was much more, you know, 
physical yeah. and everything else back in the seventies, eighties, nineties and everything else. But they had to be because they weren't as skilled, you know, like the bottom guy on the bench would be a starter. You know, it, it, it's different because again, it's what we were talking about before is like, you're thinking about the top 20 players, but you got to think about like everybody else is on the court. The guy that's the sixth and seventh man that's out there. Like that type of player is completely different now than it was back then. So, I mean, Jordan's going to be good in any era. It doesn't matter. But I mean, like, look at Wilt Chamberlain. Like, Wilt Chamberlain was awesome because he was six foot eight, six foot ten, or whatever. I think he was six foot ten, six foot eleven. But guys that were guarding him were six foot four, six foot five. So I mean, it doesn't take away from his, you know. Yeah. Like he he would have been amazing in any era. You put Wilt Chamberlain in now, he was going to be good. He could he would work out more. He would be bigger. You know, like everything else. So he would be good no matter what. But. How much of, are his stats inflated because of who he was playing against? You know, like the guy that was guarding him now would be a two guard in the NBA. It would be, be a small two guard in the NBA. And he was guarding the center. So, I mean, I don't, I think it, that's why it's tough. And, and I don't, I think LeBron's competition is Magic Johnson and he passed him. Like, you can't comport. I mean, I mean, Magic Johnson, when they, when he won his first championship as a rookie, he was a point guard for the whole season. And then, was it, I think it was Kareem that went down and he guard, he guarded the center in the NBA finals and they won when he was a freshman coming out of, or a rookie coming out of Michigan state. Like Jordan can't do that. Jordan, like you're like, if Bill Cartwright went down in 1993, Jordan ain't guarding Patrick Ewing to get no. to the NBA finals. He can't do that. LeBron can, you know? So it, it comes down to like when people debate about who's the best player or who's the MVP, you know, like, I just don't think they're really comparable because like Jordan cannot do the things that LeBron does. And so I, I grew up in that era and I idolized Jordan just like everybody our age. And I think he's the goat just, but it's also kind of like his aura, you know, his aura, like he's just like, he's just, he's bigger than life, you know? And then all the LeBron haters are like, well, this should sum it up because his sons are wearing Jordans when he breaks the record. I I saw that picture. And I mean, like it's, I don't know. You can't, you can't really do that because I mean, like Jordan's have a, I mean, should I got Jordan's on right now? Like they, they have a status like well beyond of like who he is as a basketball player. It's a, it's like, why do people wear Gucci belts all the time? You know, it's like, it's just a brand now that, and that, I think that you have to take that into consideration, but yeah, I don't know. I have a tough one with that. Cause again, Again, I'm not a huge LeBron fan. I've never cheered for one of his teams or anything like that. But he, I don't understand the hate. Like, even if he's not the GOAT and everybody that's a LeBron that says he's the GOAT, he's the second best of all time. And just like we were talking about again, back to that, you're the second best person to ever pick up a basketball. Like, who gives a shit if you're number one? That's true. I'd cut my arm off to be the second best at anything in this world, you know? Like, so, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know. I love, obviously y'all, y'all know me. I love to fucking argue about anything. So, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, but that's always baffled me. Like, um, I don't know. I guess you can look in the mirror and, and see, but I just don't, I don't understand why, like it's that big of a deal. Like, I don't know. It's the, uh, they're both awesome. You know, but, all I gotta say is, <clears throat> excuse me. Could Will Purdue play an NBA today? No, that's exactly my point. <laughs> so, yeah. And with, Steve Kirby knocking down the shot to win the championship. No. Probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. and, and no knock on Steve Kerr. I mean, you put Steve Kerr in a pickup basketball game in his 30s, he's, or you put him in a church league, you know, he's, he's dropping 75. You know, like, shit, you put a you put an awesome 
chick playing with men that played division one basketball or even division two basketball. She's lighting you up for 30. Like, you know, you go, you go to the gym and you got a bunch of 20, 20 year olds all the way up to 45 year olds that are paying pickup basketball at planet fitness. And you put a girl that played division one basketball out there in her mid to late twenties. She's schooling you left and right. You think there's a, you think there's ever going to be a woman in the NBA? No. I mean, not to be sexist, but it's right. underwater basketball. It's just too much small of a pace. I mean, they, they, they still go crazy when they dunk and they're barely getting over the rim. That is true. Like it's, it's not, I think that it could be basketball is such a fast moving sport. You could have a baseball player, um, maybe even a football, like a kicker. Like I think you could have a kicker possibly. I think the distance is the problem in the NFL for them. Cause I mean, if your kickers, you, I mean, we get mad. I mean, you're a huge football fan like me and you get mad when your kicker misses a 51 yard field goal, you know, like I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, so you're like, you son of a bitch, you know, like, you, you know, so it's, uh, but I think accuracy wise that could happen, you know, punting maybe. Um, so, I mean, there's a niche market in football where you could be out there, you know, like I can never step on a football field, but in high school I could have kicked, you know, like, so, um, maybe in those, but basketball, no, I don't think there's any chance. doesn't take away from their talent. Cause they're awesome. You know, like yeah. I used to play pickup games with, with girls. That I played. don't know. Like, I don't think, I don't think they would be able to con- con- convert to ba- like men's baseball. You know, that's where they still playing like softball, like, you know, fat, you know, obviously it's fast, which fast as shit. Don't get me wrong. But like, I don't know. I don't when it's going 90 or I mean, 99 as like an average speed for a fastball, you know, and the average speed on a fast pitch, like in softball is like, I don't even know, like 70. It's a big difference. Yeah, but you got to have the distance. So like, yeah, when you watch like little league, those got those kids are throwing like 60 and 70 miles per hour. But then they give you the um they give you the major league equivalent because it's it's uh, forty five feet or forty eight feet instead of like sixty or sixty two feet. So like that ball coming out, and the the timing of it getting to you, they throw sixty four, but it's like a ninety eight mile per hour fastball. Same thing with with True. Uh, softball. Think about the distance. The, the distance. So like I mean, but the same thing would have to be a niche. Like a girl would probably be only be able to play like second base. Cause it's a shorter throw, you know, like that, but you still have to worry about the range, you know, to get in between cause baseball fields are big. So I just think it, they're not as big you know, as far as tall, you know? So, um, I think it's possible, but definitely not basketball. Like those guys are just like freak athletes, you know? I mean, look at jaw. He's not that big. He's my height or shorter. And that dude dunks on seven footers. You know, like she would get posterized every time. Yeah. And, and, and that would be even if she could, if she would be able to move to get in front of it, you know, like it's just, it's just a completely different, the speed of that game is just ridiculous. So I, I mean, no, I just, and that's not a sexist thing. It's just, it's just science, you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. And I think that just needs to be understood. Yeah. Like I don't know. Men are better at some things and women better are better at other things. Immensely. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It, it somewhere along the lines, it got really skewed where, I mean, all those things matter, you know, affirmative action and, you know, equal pay and like all that, but there's some things that we're just different and mm-hmm. I, that that's, that's fine. And that's, I mean, it would be boring as fuck if we were all the same, Yeah, you know, like what's the point of that? So I don't know. Um, 
one of those things where I try to be cognizant of where the people, the reason why those exist, but I think it gets skewed, you know, one way or the other too much. Like I think logic gets just pushed aside, you know, instead of like empathy and thought. And then you just throw, throw caution to the wind of logic, you know, but yeah. Cause I, <clears throat> excuse me. I wonder like, um, if there's such a demand for it, then why is the WNBA not as big as it possibly could be? Cause that just shows that, women and men are not watching that. So why do they want to see a crossover in the NBA where it's a dominant thing? And, you know, cash rules everything. So like if they're all the money's going to the NBA and not into the WNBA, you obviously see where the eyeballs are at and what people want to see. I don't think there's a small fraction of people that want to see women playing in NBA, but there's a actual organization where women are playing professional basketball and nobody's watching it. Like, I didn't know who Brittany Griner was until the Russia thing. Oh, really? I mean, I knew who she was, but... I've never um, watched their, like... I'm going to sit down on Sundays and watch WNBA, you know what I'm saying? Well, what if we had... I don't know. I don't know what they would call them, you know, but what if we had a Memphis WNBA ticket, and we're all sitting here, and one of your buddies is like, I got four four seats, it's just me. When y'all get done recording, are you going to go? Four seats, center court, alcohol included. You're going to say no more like 99 <laughs> times out of a hundred, you know, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> like if it was the w, WNBA finals. And then I, I just think if you just say that and I would do something else, like I, I would sit on my couch and work on travel quotes instead of doing that, you know, like um, it's just not it. And no knock. I'm glad they can do that. You know? And I mean, I dated a girl in high school that was on the basketball team and she was awesome, you know? And um, so, I mean, I, I, I went to all of her games and cheer, but I was vestedly interested in it. You know, like yeah. I, had, I had vested interest in that, you know, like, um, hell, I was a high schooler trying to get laid, you know, whatever else, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I truly enjoyed it. That's just a joke, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, um, but I mean, now my time's what way more valuable than it is, was back then. And it's just not something I'm going to choose. And I think that says a lot, like I'd go. If it was a playoff, it was NBA finals game. I'm sitting in the last row. If somebody calls me and asks me to go to the Grizz Grizz versus the Celtics or something, I'm sitting, I'll go to the last row. I mean, I would, I feel like I would purchase tickets lower, but if that was my only option, I'm going. And then I wouldn't even probably go to a WNBA game, maybe the finals, but like I wouldn't go to a regular season WNBA game if I had four seats. I just wouldn't do it. Well, they were like, well, how come no one is, no, how come no companies want to invest money into the WNBA? And they always show like, the guy riding the bench on the NBA is making three times as the best player or whatever. You know, the money's definitely gotten better now, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like, no one's watching that shit. It's a not, not a knock, not a knock against them, but you know, Nike obviously has investments in them because and stuff like that. But like the big brands, all are there, right? But like these other brands, they don't, they don't want it. Now, have like, you seen this clip right here? Let me play this for you. Twenty-nine points. She's twenty-five or more in four of her last five. Miller and Maryland, sixty-six, sixty-one winners. It's their fourth straight win. Let's get back to the actual basketball there in Ann Arbor. God, I bet he got blasted for that. Um, the actual basketball—that's terrible. Like that—that—that's. That, I mean, you can't. I mean, y- y'all know better than anybody. But it, y'all's normal. Like episodes, like two, three hours, you just say shit when you when you just constantly do it. And yeah, you try you try to be politically correct, but sometimes things like that, and that's probably how he actually feels. He's like, I got to cover WNBA, but as a professional, he has to put on his you know face, and that was obviously a slip, and you know, 
professionally, but that's probably the way that yeah. it's like the whole Tiger Woods thing where like he got on blast for handing the other guy the tampon oh, or whatever yeah. else. And they're like, he should have done it behind closed doors. And people are like, he should never do that. And I mean, like if you're a public figure, the whole jaw thing, you got to consider your marketability and like your, your future wealth and everything else. And that was probably poor on tigers. But I mean, to him, it was a joke. It was funny, whether it's not, um, you know, but like you had to slow that down, blow it up and zoom in on it to do it. Like, why are we even talking about this? You know, like it's just, it's just crazy. You know, like he wanted to talk shit and that was the best way he could talk shit. And, you know, <laughs> probably offensive. I get it. You know, it was and, great. And it, yeah. But I mean, it's like, I mean, like you, like if you were watching that and you're like 96% of the people watching that didn't even see it, you know? That's what I'm saying. Cause when I, when I like, what is going on with Tiger now? And then I saw, I watched it. Like, what did he pass him? Right. Like no one knows, you know, I thought maybe it was like the T or something. Like, right. Hey, fuck you. But calling him a pussy by handing him a fucking tampon was the best. Right. Man. Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's shit. And that, that's what I think that's just funny. And people, you know, obviously no matter what you do, there's going to be people that are going to attack it. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, but I, I just, I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, you got to have fun with it. You know, like you can't just be a square and, and be too serious. I don't know. It's I just, mean, he's 47 now, right? Yeah. He's old. And yeah. he's 47, still playing at a pretty decent level in the PGA. I mean, you got your, I mean, he's going to have his tour card anyways, because Tiger plays a golf match. The view, the viewers like, at least double. I don't even know. I don't even know the numbers, but it's it's stupid. Like who's not going to watch the Masters in what a month and a, a month from now? Yeah, or a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to watch it because you know it's going to be Tiger's last Masters. I mean, you never know with him, but yeah. I mean, yeah, and he should have been dead. He rolled his damn car down the freaking California hill. You know, like I think there's just a lot of double standards. Let me play another one for you. Hold on a second. You know, that was improvised. That wasn't in the script. But I thought, when else am I going to get the chance to kiss Brad Pitt? I'm just going to go for it. It's great. <laughs> I said, Damien, I think Nellie would just go up and kiss Jack. Doing? And Back Damien up. was like, um, <laughs> I think she, well, she could. Wait, hold on. You just want to kiss Brad Pitt. And I was like, oh, so sue me. She didn't, you might never come up again. And it does work for the character. And I was like, I think so. And so then I did it the first time. And then we finished that take. And I was Now, imagine if a man did that to a woman. I and how much her. uproar there would be like. I don't know. I don't know, man. There's a lot of stuff that people get in up in arms about, like the whole Tiger Woods tampon thing, which is it's just a thing between two guys. But then, like, if it was a guy that did something sexual assault to a woman, he'd be considered a rapist. Would that be? Con- oh, my God. It would be considered sexual assault, wouldn't it? I mean, just kissing her on the red carpet or something. Yeah, probably. Unwanted kiss by whoever. Right. Yeah. But she got away with it and everyone's laughing. But that's the whole thing. There's this whole thing now that's like this clip going around of all these women sexualizing Justin Bieber when he was like 15 years old. And like even in the interviews, he's talking about like it makes him uncomfortable, but they would just laugh it off. But like I said, if a guy were to do it, you're considered a creep, mm-hmm. which I don't think a guy should be doing that to a kid anyways. I don't think a woman should be doing that to a kid. But it's just like the whole thing with the teachers. When a teacher, female teacher does something with a male student, it's okay. It's like, oh, look at that guy. I want to be that guy. That happened in my high school. My, <laughs> really? One of my best friends I played soccer with, because I grew up in Clarksville, like a uh, military town. So a lot of people, a lot of wives and their husbands are deployed and vice versa. But there's more, again, statistically speaking, that's usually the woman that's at home, like on that. Again, am I doing a Scott Van Pelt there or something like that? But uh, yeah, I mean, it was normally like you'd have um, 
you know, a woman staying home, they, their husband would be deployed for six months, nine months, whatever else. We had this teacher my junior year and my buddy slept with her. <laughs> like, and she was hot. We thought she was a student. Cause like, it wasn't like Clarksville is one of those schools or one of those towns, you know, like when you're in high school and the new girl shows up or the new guy and he's mm. like the new hit thing, you know, the hot or she's the new hot thing. Doesn't even, I mean, she could be, you're going to throw a number on it. She'd be like a six, but she's like a freaking nine, a 10 because she's new, you yeah. know, fresh meat, you know, and then girls or guys. And, but Clarksville, that would, that could happen weekly, you know, somebody coming in, you know, and everything else. So we got new people like all the time. And it was my junior year. I had it first period and it was like, uh, you took like, uh, government and something you took government for the first three, six weeks and you took something else. Like I can't even remember, but it was government, it was a government class. And the first week we had one of our assistant principals cause they hadn't hired the position. And then, so that Monday rolls around the second week and I had like four or five of them up. We had a group of like 13, 14 guys that were all like pretty tight ever since elementary school. Um, and like five of us were in that class. And so this girl walks in, she was hot blonde, like 23, three, I think, or something, you know, fresh out of college and their first, first teaching job, or maybe, I don't know, she might've been teaching before she moved to Clarksville, but her husband got stationed there and they moved there. So she did her paperwork and started, we started hitting on her and she like, (laughs) my guy, my guy, thank you for being honest. No, we did. Like we thought she, I mean, like she looked older, but like, we didn't know, you know, and she could be a senior. I mean, she could be 19. She could, I don't know, like you could be older, but like she looked, I, think, I guess she probably looked young for the age or hell. We didn't care. We were still using, Y'all were trying to fuck. We didn't like, well, still trying to use a trapper keeper to hide your boner. You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, um, you know, so it was like, uh, yeah, we all hit on her and she ate it up, you know, and that, that should have been the first red flag, but we didn't give a shit. You know, we didn't even know what a red flag was back then. Yeah. And, uh, and then she sit there and talked to us for like five, six minutes. And then she went up there and was like, I'm Miss Smith. We were like, son of a bitch, <laughs> you know, like, and then second semester, my buddy, um, it was funny cause we were, he had the house like right across the street from the school, like right on the corner and we were driving, I was sitting shotgun and he's like, hit the garage door. We we're pulling up his house so he could pull his car in and I hit the button and it didn't open. And, uh, I was like, he's like, he's like, open up the car. Like he was getting like, not frustrated, but he was just like, what are you doing? Dumbass. And I was like, I hit the button again and it didn't work. And I looked up and there's two garage door openers up there. And I'm like, why do you have two garage door openers? And he, you could just see like, this dude is like, he's like a, uh, he's a lobbyist in North Carolina now. <laughs> like the dude could talk his way out of fucking anything. He was this crazy. And, uh, you, it was like one of the few times I've ever seen him like lost to words. And he, you could see him kind of get like a little white faced and like everything else. And I'm like, and he wouldn't tell me, and we were and the our buddy in the back. We were like, we know something's up. Like, we're not letting this go. And then finally, he had her garage door opener. She lived like two miles down the road, and he would just open up the garage, go in, knock it out, and come go back to his house. Wow. And we were like, I fucking hate. We hated him forever. What a <laughs> fucking stud, man. He came. He came to our high school and like, <clears throat> like right before we were freshmen. He was like, badass soccer player, <clears throat> like. He started from day one. He was probably like as a freshman, like our fourth best player, you know, by sophomore year, he was our best, but he had, he went to prom every year. He had a senior girlfriend as a freshman, like within like a month, you know, like the dude was just, yeah, he was stupid. I won't say his name, but, uh, um, but yeah, and we're not recording anyways, but, uh, 
Or are we? Yeah, we, we are. are. Okay. <laughs> Shit. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Like it was, uh, we were, and then she moved, she moved back to like Ohio before it got out or whatever else. But yeah, if you reverse that, like, and that was like, that's like one of my fucking favorite stories uh, of my life. Cause I just, I don't know, like when you were that young, that was like the pinnacle, you know? Well, it's kind of like this happened the other day. I saw it on, um, on, on Facebook news, but another, stu- another teacher was having sex with a senior and they got caught somewhere or whatever. And like, it's just happening all the time. And they're got they're not like, they're not getting like real sentencing or anything. They're just getting like slaps on the wrist pretty much. But if the, if the PE teacher did that to a girl or, you know, whatever grooming charges, this charge, that charge, he'd be fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always wonder if it's because like when you're that age, you're all horned up and then maybe it's like older women that are coming to their sexual prime. And so there's like just a recipe for disaster or there's just that kind of that Mrs. Robinson type thing. Mm-hmm. So you, do you, you thinking it's like, that's why they're getting less of sentencing? Like, no, no, I'm oh, just saying, oh, okay. I wonder if that's why women are hooking up with younger kids. kids. I mean, I think that's a lot of it. I mean, I'm in a weird age where now, I mean, I'm, I haven't really been in a serious relationship for like four years. And, um, so I'm on the dating apps and everything else. And like, I've matched with, um, like mom and daughter before on like, like Bumble, like multiple times. I shit. I was talking to somebody last night where I did that. Like they were in Arkansas and then she sent me a picture. like, and she like fret, like ended up, we got to that stage on the dating app where you start friending on social media, following on social media. And she was like, how do you know, this person and I'm like, oh shit! And, she, and I'm like, I think we matched on Bumble, like, and but it never met. She's like, yeah, that's my daughter. And I'm like, awesome, you know, like so. I think that definitely goes into it, but and and that's what the whole. I mean, that's my definition because I studied a lot. Like, I had a really serious relationship for like four years and got out of it like almost exactly four years ago, and I haven't been looking for that at all. And um. That's what you do. Like that's what that's to me, that's the definition of the rebound. So like you dated somebody for four years, right? They obviously had a way more positives than they did negatives. But when you get out of that, you're only thinking about the negatives. Mm-hmm. So the next person you date is going to not be like at least two of those three or like whatever else. Like, and then you disregard everything else that made that good. And cause that's all you care about. Like they did this, this, and this, I hated that. That's why we broke up and you usually blame it on them. You don't take any like responsibility on yourself. That's like human nature, male or female. And so you look for that and then you get into that and then you realize like, all right, well, they're not these things, or at least I thought they weren't these things, but then you disregarded everything that made the other thing work, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think when you have that, like divorcees, you know, divorcees, you know, that come out of a relationship, they know their husband was this, this, and this, maybe he was like overweight. She wasn't attracted to him. So like, I think you can gravitate. That doesn't mean just because you're in your forties, you're going to go after a 22 year old, but there's whatever your husband, your ex-husband didn't have a younger guy probably does so you know i can understand why that mindset happens you know that's the way the brain works you know you just you gravitate to the things that sucked in your previous relationship and then you just disregard what worked so i can understand that i've done that many a times so what is your uh relationship with dating in memphis like i don't date in memphis so you look outside of the city so my go-to line and i'm not really like a line person but this it works like crazy. Like, well, 
you live too far away. Like, why would I talk to you? Like, I'm looking for something serious. And I'm like, well, I'm not looking for something serious, but I'm not, um, not, not opposed, yeah. you know? Um, I always say fish from the ocean, not a small local pond. Mm. And I would say like 90% of the time they're like, that's awesome. Or, you know, like I've never thought about it that way or whatever else. And it's true. It's not really a line. Like I'll jump on it. Y'all know me. I'll jump on a plane anytime, anywhere. Um, so I'm not opposed to that. And it gives me like when I'm, when I'm in Memphis, I lock in, I have my insurance job. I have my travel agency. Um, I try to stay in shape and eat healthy. And it's kind of hard to do that when you're on the road or traveling or whatever else, cause you're going to eat what you're supposed to eat there and you're going to drink and everything else. And the gym's harder to go to. Not that I don't do it. I usually work out when I travel, but, um, yeah, when I'm in Memphis, I'm back to the grind. Like I live downtown and things are going all around me and I don't go out. So I like the long distance, I guess a little bit, just simply for the fact of when you're there, you know, whether it's two days, three days a week, whatever you're fully locked in and, and everything else. But then I get that release and I can, you know, grow my businesses and, um, get away and you don't have somebody like constantly pulling you away from that. So I don't really date a whole lot in Memphis. It's not, not that there's not people that I would match with or beautiful women here. Um, it's not that at all. It's just, it works better for me for what I'm looking for at this current stage. Does like the familiarity of possibly your buddies being with somebody play a factor into that too? Or at least long-term? Maybe. I mean, I think not so much anymore. It was probably a factor in the past, but I'm definitely like, you have a past. I have a past. I mean, I want to know, I guess I don't want to know all the details, but I want to know like a cliff notes version, I guess, you know, but I mean, my personality's changed, you know, a lot over the years. I mean, I still have my core, but it's changed a lot. And I'm a different person than I was, you know, four years ago, 10 years ago. So just because you did this or that, or, or you were with somebody doesn't mean that's who you are now. Mm-hmm. And I believe in self-growth very much. I'm not going to date anybody that doesn't believe in that. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you could be a completely different person. So I, I don't, you know, the whole Eskimo brothers and stuff like yeah. I'd, I wouldn't say it wouldn't bother me. Um, but I think I'm kind of past that just because, I mean, age, you know, like you're going to have skeletons in your closet. You're going to have a past. So like if you, that's what you're going to get butthurt about, like, I mean, that's not really that's not really me anymore. I mean, it, it guess it would depend on. Does it how, matter if it's the guy depending on who the guy is? Like if the guy's like some sleazy guy or <laughs> somebody you don't respect. Not saying it's her fault, but like just saying that she found somebody before you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, I think it could um, affect. I think it, who it was or whatever else, but again, go back to it. They could be a different person and you don't know, you know what they were going through and um, a lot of dick. Yeah. Apparently, you know, like uh, that's one of those things where it just have to be a situational thing. Mm. You know, like I would, I might, I don't have a hard line you yeah. know, that I wouldn't cross. And, I mean, I don't think that's the real reason why I don't date. I mean, I wouldn't pass up somebody that was great or anything like that in Memphis, but I, I just, you know, I've had opportunities to, to talk to or date people that, you know, are somewhat in my inner circle. And I usually pass on that. Mm. And that's really not a knock on them. Um, it's, I value your friendship and what we already have. Why would I want, I mean, I'm a very statistical person, like immensely. So like st- numbers run my life and I, it's not intentional. It's just the way my brain works and relationships fail. It's, it's almost a hundred percent chance. 
Like you can be married to somebody for 25 years and like the divorce rates over 50%. Right. And that's people that actually got to marriage, you know, like you dated and you didn't get there. You, how many people did you date to get married? You mm-hmm. know, one, two, 50, you know, like what's the number that took you. So like you, if you dated 30 people before you found your wife, you were one for 30, you know, you had a 3% success rate. And then that has a more than a 50% success, uh, unsuccessful rate, you know? So yeah. like relationships fail, it's like the number one thing that's pretty much guaranteed. So I'm not a pessimistic person, but I also believe in, you know, reality, you know? So <clears throat> I, I think that deters me more than anything is that it's likely not going to work. Now, have any of these girls in your inner your friendship groups, you know, your friend groups, it's like, have, have they ever gotten mad at you for saying, oh, you know, what? I don't think it's a good idea. Or do they understand and say, okay, you know, I get it, whatever. Never like to me, like, fuck you, like yeah. anything like that. They might be like, not understand or whatever else. And I mean, no one likes rejection. I mean, I mean, everybody handles it differently. So, um, I don't know. Not, not like I've never had any like altercation or like poor words and it, it never really got that place. You know, you just don't respond. Not that I'm getting like a thousand advances or anything. You just kind of push it to the side, you know? Ignore. Yeah. Like you said though, every relationship's going to end either by death or breakup. Mm-hmm. So like you said, that's a, that's a good point way of looking at it. And it's like, why would you want to ruin something by just getting the fuck on, you know? Cause it, I mean, cause I don't think a lot of people can just handle like something casual. Especially if you're in the same circle, because yep. you're going to see each other all the time. That's why they say you don't shit where you eat. Like, I don't really the people that will fuck the bartender or the server where they go to all the time. It's like, I don't think that little bit of pussy is worth the heartache that's going to come with when you try to go in there and they're upset that you're in there. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly, but it's also if you. There's other underlying factors. That's not the only reason why you would say no. Yeah. You know? And and, I, and maybe to your point earlier, maybe it's because of who they'd been with in the past. There's like a little bit, it's not, that's not the hundred percent reason, but I think when you have four or five different things, you know, they work where you, 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 you frequent a lot and they dated this person that you're friends with there. And, you know, and then this and this and this, and that adds up to like a hundred percent, you know, yeah. like I don't want to, or 80% I'm out, you know? And like, so I think there's just multiple things. That's not the only thing, you know? So there's obviously something there that's not, you know, making you not throw like reckless abandon, you know, into the situation. So what are some of your non-negotiables in dating? Well, my number one thing on like a dating profile is, and the only thing that's in cap capitalized is must have passport. <laughs> 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 and then you still get people that swipe right or whatever else on you. And it's like, uh, I don't have my passport yet. And like, I almost like half the time I almost delete them. Like really? you'd have to be like, check every other box. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I like alpha females. Um, I'm not attracted to, you know, I would never marry and there's no knock on this, but like, I would never marry anybody that just wants to like be a homemaker or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Cause like, that's great. They do. That's a job. I, I mean, I've, I sell insurance. I used to sell insurance and show like, you know, we had a chart that says like how much, like what should a homemaker's like salary really be for like the things that she saves you to do, you know, like no childcare, you know, you know, almost like an Uber driver, you know, all these things that they're doing, taking people to practice nannies, you know, cleaning, you know, like if they're doing that, all those other things that if you had to pay for, what would that cost? And then, you know, like, this is why you need to carry them for life insurance. Cause like, oh, I don't need life insurance. She's a homemaker. Like, that's not true. If she died, you would have to do all this while you're working, you know? Mm. So 
very good chart. So there's extreme value in that. And I'm not knocking that at all. It's just not what I'm attracted to. Yeah. You know, like I want somebody that pushes me, you know, that I have several different things that I have going on and I have my lulls and uh, I need motivation. You know, I feel like I'm a very good self motivator, but I want somebody that pushes me, drives me, gives me new ideas and stuff like that. So definitely driven career, um, healthy fit lifestyle, like things like that. So, but yeah, number one must have passport. And everybody says they love to travel. And then when you, the 10th message, like, where's the last place you've been? So I went to Germany five years ago and I'm like, delete, you know, like, <laughs> like that's not traveling. And that's, and that's no knock on them, but that's just what I mean. I mean, Tony, you've been on a couple of trips with me and, uh, yeah, I mean like that's my passion you yeah. know, and turned it into like a small side hustle. And, um, yeah, I mean, if you don't, if that's your idea of travel, then we're not going to, we might have a physical attraction and we might you know, cut up and carry on, but we're going to have a fundamental difference. So, so where did your love of travel come from? I always traveled, um, domestically growing up. We, my family had a condo in Daytona. My dad was a farmer. My mom was a teacher. So very salt of the earth, like cheap, but we would do things, you know? Um, so we just, we stayed in the United States. I think I went to Jamaica and the Bahamas, um, growing up and that was it. Like I didn't have pizza delivered to my house until I was like 15 years old. Oh shit. I never had sushi till I came to college. You know, we were just very like salt of the earth. We, I mean, most of the stuff that we had in our house was like meat and vegetables where we, we grew it, you know? So there was no need. My mom was an awesome cook and she, uh, had, you know, meals prepared for us like every night. And, uh, so you took that for granted back then. I would die for that now, yeah. you know, like, but, uh, um, yeah, we didn't really eat out and anything like that, but we had a condo in Daytona. Um, my dad and I were not close growing up. So like he bought my love with sports, you know, I would go to, I've been to every sporting event you can imagine. Um, and that's, you know, instead of saying, sorry, he's like, all right, we're going to the UT football game this weekend. Cause your soccer game got rained out. Let's go, let's jump in the car and drive the three hours, you know, cause I live right above Nashville. So most of it was centered around that sports. So, um, Kind of similar to you, I had a couple of buddies that we've both traveled with, and um, what a lot of people do to me now is seeing their Facebook and their. I mean, how do, how can you afford this? How are you doing this? Like, this it makes sense, and uh, started asking the questions, and they, and, you know, we started doing like the credit card point hacking and getting some stuff for like you know cheap or free, and went on one. I can't. We did like. Mexico with like 20 something people, 25 people. And then they were planning a trip to Iceland and I kind of helped our buddy do that. And it just started, I don't know, it, it, something clicked in my head and it just, I'd always wanted to do it and just didn't really know how. And yeah. And I took it to like 3000%. So, uh, it was just something that maybe was feeling a void in my life and, I I just love it simply because like I have my own struggles and everything else. And it's, it's helped me a lot. It's made me a better person. And so I just see, I see if I see extreme value in something, I'm going to grab it and run with it. And I see obviously seeing beautiful things and seeing the world is amazing, but it makes me a better person. So I'm going to gravitate to that as much as possible. But yeah, just, it started about almost eight years ago, went to Mexico with a big group and that 
that's not, that's probably one of the worst trips I've been on for the things that I had just for like experience wise. It was just to go get drunk and party in Mexico with a bunch of our friends. And, but I was like, this is cool. Like I can see how this would be addictive and it most certainly was. So I love it. I can't get enough of it. And I'm going through withdrawals right now. So has it made you appreciate America more? Yes. And COVID did too. That, I mean, I'm not saying like, Oh, I love COVID or like, you know, I love that situation, but I ignored this country, like as far as travel and we, we have, and you can argue U S has the best, you know, government and everything else. But as far as like country to travel, we're the best Um, just because we have everything here. You know, you go to, and the only thing we don't have is just like the his, historic buildings and stuff that you get in like Europe and stuff. Cause I mean, yeah. we, we were founded in the 1700s, you know, we didn't have buildings, you know, other than, you know, Native Americans, which were not massive structures, you know, there's no Egyptian pyramids here or anything like that. So, but, um, yeah, we have everything. We have deserts and mountains and the best beaches and, um, you know, all that. So when COVID hit and you couldn't cross country borders and everything else, I started doing domestic stuff. So mm-hmm. now I do, I, I, and it, it was almost up until that point. I was like, if, it, if I'm not stamping my passport, I'm uninterested. Mm-hmm. You know, besides like a long weekend to see the Colts play or, you know, something like that. Um, but yeah, so that, that's one of the things I was grateful that I took value out of COVID was um, that I got back to domestic. So I started like hiking mountains and going out to Colorado, went to Oregon, you know, wine country, um, a lot of different things. So started, I'm, I, I try to go to like two to five like national parks here in the U.S. like every year now since then. So. Yeah, I mean America's great and every it there's so much to see here and so much beauty um everywhere. So um as far as that goes. So I was very grateful for that because I was I got tunnel vision. Yeah. And it was like if I'm not stamping, then what's the point? So what is the coolest place you've been to? My favorite place is always hands down is New Zealand. I'm at fifty three countries right now. Damn. So um I couldn't tell you my top three to save my life. You put a gun to my head, I'm going to stumble. I wouldn't repeat the same thing over and over again. I'd be like, uh, you know, like, and just fire out. But New Zealand would be number one. It's number one. And there's everybody always asks why, and I don't really know. I mean, other than it's just beautiful. Yeah. It's one of, like, two or three places where, like, the best picture that I have was while I was driving and snapped it with my phone. You know, just did the, you know, like, real quick. And then you're like, holy shit. You know, like, I knew it was cool, but I can't really, like, stare at it, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, I must take a real quick picture. And, um. Yeah, it's like just a beautiful water mountain, like everything else. But I bungee jumped for the first time there. Maybe that's part of it, you know. Um, but yeah, New Zealand's number one for me. Um, and then you could throw in a probably like eight or nine, and depending on my mood, would fill out my top three. What's the worst? I don't really have a worst. Like I've I've been obviously asked that a bunch of times, you know, by people that are. Travel clients, you know, mm-hmm. on on dating apps, you know, friends. I I'm more of an adventure traveler. Like I want to go out and hike and you know do all kinds of other stuff. So I'm never going to sit at a resort for like seven. I mean, I, I've done it. Gotcha. I almost say never, but like that's not my ideal of fun. You know, like you want to venture out and see shit. Yeah. Now, now I usually incorporate like two or three days of just like you know all-inclusive, relaxing, good food, good drinks, you know, toes in the sand. Um, 
but I don't want to do that for seven days straight. Like that's just, that's almost, I'd rather be working, you know, I'd rather be doing something else. Like I just don't, my mind races too much to do stuff like that. So, um, I don't really have about, I have places where they didn't live up to what I thought, but I think more times than not, it's because it was a lack of me or the people that I was with, not giving it. It's just due. like you went to Portugal and Spain, right? I only went to Spain. I didn't Spain. go to Portugal. See, I didn't love Madrid. Um, Neither did I. It was too cold. Yeah, but like it was cold. Like, cause, so we went to Barcelona, and we hit it hard. Like, I went to like two awesome restaurants. We went to some awesome bars, and we we stayed up. Our group stayed up, and we stayed out to like two, three in the morning, and we got up early and we saw everything. But then the jet lag and the crash happened in like Madrid, mm. and like we weren't we were going to bed at like twelve, and you know, and then it was much colder and. So the weather didn't cooperate. I don't think our energy cooperated, but like I talked to other people and they're like, Madrid's awesome and everything else. And so I would put just me personally, I would put Madrid at the bottom, like closer to the bottom of my list, but I don't think that's accurate, which is awesome. That means I can go back and prove myself wrong, you know? So, um, my negatives are those, you know, like I know Madrid's awesome. I've read about it. I've seen it and everything else, but if the sun wasn't shining and it's, then, you know, that's what you need. You need to be able to venture out and everything else. And it just wasn't advantageous for us to do that. So did y'all go to the bull thing? Did you go with them to that? Hastings and I did. We struggled with that. And I'm not like a P I mean, I grew up on a beef cattle farm. I mean, I've seen the slaughterhouse and everything else like that. Does, but it was pretty, it was pretty bad. Um, and then also like, I mean, I have, like with insurance sales and then travel sales, like my public image matters very much. And I struggle with that with traveling. Like when COVID hit, like, do I go on this trip or not? And am I going to get blasted for that? You know, like, how's that going to affect mm-hmm. me? Like, you know, so I, I had a trip um, to Tokyo and Bali, like right when COVID hit, I was supposed to go to the end of March. And we're like, should we go? We were having that discussion. Like, I don't know, is that going to be status quo? Like, is that going to be bad or not? You know, like, are we going to bust through that? Um, or is it even like the safety was like secondary. It was more like public image, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, this never, that, that matters for sure. What did they do? What's, what's the, like the bull watching the bulls, like where the guy has the little red thing. Yeah. So they're, it's a, and it was half, it wasn't even half bull. It was just a, they do them all the time. You know, they have like multiple ones. I don't, I don't know the level of how they do it or, you know, everything else, but it was in, a, in an arena and he's out there, you know, like all dressed up and they've got these like small spears and then they have, you know, a sword on their belt and they're just stabbing them. Like they're putting them in them and then they, they kill them. They drug them off and they do multiple of them. So we went, but we were like, should we go? Should we not? It was, it was a, a moral compass thing that you were like, should I do it? And for me, I was like, I'm going to go see it and then go. But it was, we really didn't post about it, um, you know, or anything like that. But yeah, we went, we went when we were in, I think that was, I can't remember which, it was either Madrid or. It was in Madrid. It was in Madrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think there was like seven of us on that trip, six or five. I don't even remember. Um, but it was just, it was just me and one other guy, one John. I didn't know they kill them. Do they feed? So the don't, they, don't, don't they use the meat though? That's what I've heard. Yeah. I mean, I, they say, but it's a bull. So like, I mean, bull meats like you don't you don't butcher a bull. You know, like the steaks we get and everything else. Like you usually don't do that. I mean, I'm sure there's some of it, like the cheaper stuff. Yeah. But um, I mean, 
but you're not killing a bull because he's making making you more money. You know, mm. like you kill. Maybe it's like one at the end of its life or something. Well, I think I, from what I've heard is that they feed like the poor with it, you know, because it's tougher meat. I mean, they're more muscular and everything else. So it's tougher meat. It's not it's not it's not the meat that you would choose. Yeah. So um, but it's dead. So I think they do use it. Um, it just doesn't like they don't throw it in like a like a used car heap or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to watch that now. I didn't know it was like that. I thought it was like the cartoons where you just, you know, moving out the way and then moving out the way. And they have that. That's what the, like, like gets their attention and they, they move out of the way and they poke them. And then they have these, like, they're like, I mean, they were far away. Like I can't see it, but it looked like a spear, like a probably, I don't know. What is that? Like two, two and a half feet long. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it had like a rubber or like padded handle. And then when they run by, they like stab them in the shoulder or the back or like whatever mm. else. When they move by, they're like, boom. And you can see that it's physically like hurting. So like, yeah, it's not, oh, it's not humane. Like, or it's not, you know, it's not what you should be doing. You know, it's a, uh, it's a pretty obscene like spectacle. So, um, I don't know. I'm not a huge, like, you know, those billboards that have like all the animals lined up and like, where do you draw the line? It's oh, like, yeah. like, right here, you know, like. I agree with that. Like everything on that side is edible. The line know? is where the horse is, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's what I, I remember when we were in uh, Barcelona, we went to this market and they had horse meat in there. Yep. Did you try it? No, I didn't eat it. No. I've had donkey. Um, How was that? What does it taste like? Donkey? It's, it's rough. I mean, it's tough. It's uh, we were, we had that in China. We did a guy's trip to China. Four of us. Um, probably like five, six years ago. And they were selling it in Beijing. In Beijing. Um, we had it as a stew and then like a sandwich. The stew was good because it was almost like like raw, like like a ramen bowl, so it had all kinds of spices and vegetables, and it was just like thin pieces that were like grilled or whatever else. Did, the did sandwich you, was a little tough. I didn't like that. Did you guys eat like the street food? Like, yeah, you know, you're walking down the street and they making the food and shit. Yeah, I've eaten. All that scorpion, shit. you know, like, Ugh. you know, like I'll eat anything. Like I'll, I'm underneath the assumption that it's been cooked right. <laughs> if it's cooked right, it could be good. And I have a story for that. Barcelona was one of those. Um, but I'll try anything twice, like anything. If I could have like almost like regurgitated and th- or thrown it up and like, I'll, I'll try it again because like it really counts on what you're cooking. And um, so I started following these, um, these two lists and there's more than two actually, but um. Forbes puts out and they update it every year. They, it's called the top 50 restaurants and they have another one. that's the top 50 bars. And the one that's like worldwide actually goes to a hundred, but they do like a write up for the top 50. And we did a, we did a trip like by like six or seven years ago where it was started off going to, we were going to go to like Oktoberfest. And then we realized that we didn't want to be in Germany the whole time when there's an extra million people there. So we just kind of did a European bounce and we kind of like the second to the last city we went to was Munich for like three nights, four days and went to Oktoberfest for like two of it. And the last city we went to was Vienna. And then we flew back home and that was the first uh, of those restaurants that I went to. And they're usually like course meals anywhere from like seven courses to like the one in Barcelona was 40 courses that was food and alcohol or food and drink. Like it wasn't just food and they're really small. You know, a lot of times it's just bite size, but we went to Vienna for the first one. And, um, it was like number 17 in the world of steric. And we think we took like seven people. It was awesome. And it, again, it, 
fish hook me in and I've probably been to about now some of them have fallen off. Some of them stay on new ones come on, but out of the hundred, you know, the list of a hundred, I've probably been to about 20 of the restaurants now and probably like probably getting close to 40 of the bars. That's so, cool, man. So anytime I travel, I like look at that list and I'm like, all right, we're going to go here. And I think, I mean, you've been to a couple of the bars with us. Um, and those were really cool. But in, in, uh, Barcelona, three of us, uh, went to this place called Enigma and it was the 82nd restaurant in the world. And you, you paid like a hundred dollar deposit. It was, this was the 40 course meal or the 40 courses. And we got there like right at six when it opened and they give you this code. You have to type it in. It's like 10 digits. I, th- I think they're trying to, th- th- to fuck with you and screw you up. And then if you don't enter within 10 minutes of your reservation, you lose your hundred dollar deposit. So I'm sitting there like waiting. We're there at like five fifty, And then when it turns six, we're like typing it in and I screwed it up like three times. And I was like, and we finally get in there and there was this couple that got there at the same time we did. And he was a chef on a yacht and he was furloughed and his girlfriend like flew in. So he had 10 days off and I was like, well, that's a good sign. You know, this billionaire hires this guy to cook his food and he's coming to this place, which you knew it was good. It was the 82nd. Yeah. According to Forbes, it's the 82nd best restaurant in the world. So anyways, the probably in the first third of the thing, we went to this hibachi grill and there was five courses. And the last thing that they served, you 100% knew it was brain. I mean, it was the brain. It had the ridges in it and it was just smaller. And it was basically like on a croissant and it, you know, had like a, probably like a dollop of like, I mean, it was obviously way better like ingredient. It wasn't truly a croissant, but you know, like. And look like a, a dollop of like sriracha on top or whatever else. But they're grilling it and putting it all together, you know, and you knew. And we all went around the table and guessed what it was. And that chef couple, he was, a, they were like three courses behind us. So that was the fifth course at that one. Cause it was a cool restaurant because you went to different sections. And I thought that was really awesome. And uh, he guessed first and he said squirrel. Cause you obviously knew it was a small animal. Um, and he, I was, that's what I thought. I was going to say squirrel. And then it went around and him and his girlfriend answered. And then the two guys in my group and I was last and they took all my answers and I said, rabbit. And that's what it was. It was harebrained. Mm. And so we had 40 courses there the next morning or the next afternoon. We had like a one thirty lunch at another one of the restaurants and they're usually a little bit cheaper, less courses. So I try to do lunches a lot because, I mean, like, I think Enigma was like 400 bucks or something Damn. like that. Yeah. And uh, or maybe not like at least 300, you know, after tip and everything. And we, I think we had 17 or 19 courses of that other one. So you're talking about 59 courses. That was the best course of all 59. I, I was like, can I get another one of those? Like, no. Because, <laughs> I mean, you ate it in like one or two bites, but it was awesome. And it's just the way it was prepared. And I mean, I've been, you, you look at it and you knew exactly what it was. And it was it was the best the best of, in my opinion, it was the best in 59. And the other two guys in my group liked it too. One of them was very hesitant. I went with Justin and John. Oh, okay. Okay. John was not, he was, we had to force him to do it, but he did it. And he <laughs> I was get like, to see you right now. <laughs> it was just like, you know, so, um, yeah, that place was awesome. And I mean, those places are awesome. If you do travel, I highly suggest looking at those. It's like Forbes top 50 and they do like top top 50 bar like when they compartmentalize it down to like regions or countries they only go to they only go to 50 mm. but they just put out like last year the top 50 north america bars like i think 2022 was the first time they ever did that 
So it's cool. Like you can look them all up. They have like best Asian Asia restaurants and bars. They, I know they do Asia, um, North America and a couple others, uh, Latin. They do like South America. Do we have any close to us on the bars, North American bars? Or like, you know, like say like 500 miles or 200 miles. Well, I mean, it goes into Canada and there's a lot like in Mexico. Um, Mm. So it's North America. So it's Central America to Central America, you know. Us and Canada. Us and Canada. And I think, I don't think there's really that many in the Caribbean or anything. A lot of them are in Mexico. Um, But uh, let's see, there's one in South and New Orleans that I've been to. Um, I can't remember the exact, the taste, taste of something. I can't taste of the set. I can't remember what exactly what it's called, but I've been to the, been to the one in Houston. There's one called julep in Houston. It's pretty good. They're all usually like craft cocktail bars. Oh, so okay. Some of them you're like, why is this on here? Um, I know a bar like right down the street. That's just good. If not better, you know, but <laughs> it, I don't know if there's politics into it or not, but most of them are solid, you know? And I, and I, I think this North America one, I think anytime you do anything, the first year is not the best, you know, like it's kind of like thrown together um, or, Whatever else, but no, I mean they're all that julep bar in Houston's good. There's, but there's a ton in New York, obviously. Like I think there's like ten in New York. And I've been to some of those. Attaboy was was like number one for a lot of long time. It's it's really cool. You have to like it looks like it's a warehouse. You know, it's like a you would never in a million years think a top ten bar in the U.S. or or North America would be there. It's like I don't even think I should be on the street. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> you know. So it's like a. But no, nah, there's some cool ones. It's definitely worth checking out. But yeah, New York's got a lot. So you can do a bar hop. That's what I want to do in Singapore. Like I'm supposed to be going, finally do my Tokyo and Bali trip. And I've got like a 10 hour layover. And I've had this trip planned every year for this time of the year, like at the end of this month, beginning of April. And uh, it's been canceled for three years in a row. And so I have it scheduled for the fourth year in a row. But Singapore, every year that I've planned it, have had anywhere from nine to eleven of the top one hundred bars in the world. Wow! And then like their whole downtown is beautiful with that huge like triple like oh, with, yeah. with the big flat like rooftop or whatever. So that building's downtown. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But I just want to jump out, like check my bags or like my backpack or whatever I have with me. Just put it in a locker, jump in their equivalent of an Uber, and I just map out the bars in a circle, and I'm just going to get a cocktail at every one, and then pour myself back into my plane seat. Don't they have like a waterfall and airport too, or something mm-hmm. like that yeah. there? Uh, their airport's supposed to be like a, like a, a fun house for adults. Really? Like it's got like obstacle courses <laughs> and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Like, so like, I mean, I want to experience that airport too. So we'll see how I work my way through that agenda. But yeah, I was going to try to hit at least like five or six of those bars and just do them in order. Yeah. That, there you go. Got the got the shout out on there, but yeah, that's like downtown and close to like four or five of those bars. So, I mean, that's crazy to think that Singapore has like ten of the top one hundred bars in the world. So obviously, it sounds like a place that we would enjoy going to, right? For sure. So, so how did you get started with your travel business? Um, to be honest, I got tired of giving away like free advice. So a lot of people just ask me stuff like randomly, like just through Facebook or Instagram or just text message and. But to be honest, I did it for selfish reasons. I did, um, I get really good discounts. Mm. So, um, and I kind of explored starting like a blog and 
doing a podcast and like a lot of other things and just really didn't have time to put it together. I needed something that was easy to kind of ease my way in. And, uh, to be honest, I matched with a girl on Bumble that lived in like Texas and we never met or anything like that. But we got to that point where we, she followed me on Instagram and she was like, holy shit, like you really do travel. She's like, I'm a realtor and I do travel agency on the side. You should talk to my owner, the owner of my com- of the company I work for. And I was like, yeah, whatever, not interested. And then she would comment on my stuff and we never met or anything else. And like six months went around and I went somewhere and she's like, you really need to talk to my friend Brienne. And she sent me like her, like a link to follow her and then joined her Instagram page and, we just started chatting and she was like, yeah. So when I started for her, she had like 25, she's been in the industry for like 12 to 14 years, but she started her company like four years ago, five years ago. And she really just did it to, be, to have her own. She has young, young kids or not young kids now, but she's got middle-aged kids and she just wanted to control her own destiny and control her, have her own freedom. And she didn't really expect to grow it out. Like she has, she just wanted to do it herself. And, but she doesn't, we don't have any quotas or anything like that. So when I interviewed, I think I was like her 25th like rep that she had. And most people do it as a side hustle. They don't do it as their main or they're like stay at home moms and they just want something to do. Um, but a lot of people like realtors, second job, you know, things like that. Um, she doesn't put any, you know, you have to do this amount a month or like any, you know, go at your own pace, go at your own leisure. So I just kind of like. Um, web, web interviewed with her twice and she, I was the only guy she had too. So that was obviously like a demographic check mark in her favor, <laughs> I think. Um, and most of them were like, most of them were selling like, you know, all inclusive resorts or Disney, like most of the people in our place, mm. like, cause I mean, that, that, that's, that's their market, you know, they're, they're moms and you know, everybody wants to go to Disney. So like, I haven't even done my training for Disney. Mm. If I get a Disney referral, I just send it off to one of the, one of the girls that are there. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of one thing I could do it at night you know, do it in my spare time. And I didn't really want to do it truly for like, you know, like financial gain, you know, monetary value or anything else like that. I was just doing it cause I enjoy it. Um, and I mean, any trip that I go on, any trip that my, like my group of friends go on, I plan it from start to finish. And that's just, it's like a puzzle. It's like fun to me. It's like a Sudoku puzzle for me, you know, like that's just the way my brain works and I love it connecting the dots and picking people's brains and asking them, you know, like what's, you know, what's the top like five things you want to see on this trip and then planning my friends trips, you know, and incorporating all that. And like, I mean, Tony went to Africa with us and I planned that from start to finish. And like, you know, like one of the guys that went on it, like wants coffee, like four times a day. So like, I'm looking for coffee places everywhere to make his trip more enjoyable, you know, like that's fun to me, you know? And so I get to go on my own pace and the discounts are stupid. Like I can stay at any Marriott, so the thing, the way Marriott works is with like as a travel agent, they have this. You could book it. It's called Fantastic, and it's a play on words for family, obviously, but also for familiar familiarization. That's what when you see fam in the travel industry, it's they they host they host you so you can get familiarized with the resort, so you can refer it out to your customers. So when you get when you go through the training with Marriott, I can log in. It's the same thing as your Marriott app, your Bonvoy app. But I'd get, there's a special code that I have to show my my, my travel agency card. But it, you don't have like the full arsenal like you would if you were buying it. But they throw it on there. I can stay there usually for like thirty percent of the cost of the hotel. 
Wow. Well, that's fucking. Yeah. Dude, it's that's like sweet. stupid. And you can only stay four nights in a row. You cannot, and then you can only use that hotel once per calendar year. So you got to be selective about it. like Nashville, like Nashville hotels are stupid. You know, it's like so expensive to stay at the W like, which is in the Gulch. It's like, if you get it on a good night, it's like four fifty. you know, on a, on a, on a bad night, it's like 600, $700. Yeah. Like I stayed there two weekends ago and I looked it up on, I always look it up and see what it would cost me normally, you know, excuse me. Um, and it was like $620 just to stay there for one night, which is just crazy to me. And then I got it for 165. <laughs> Jesus. Like, yeah. And it's like, okay, I can handle that. You know, like, yeah. So like, that's really why I do it. And, and not, I mean, that, that's what, you know, what started it. So, but it's awesome. I'd like, I love planning trips for people. I just planned a 12 day trip for never met her. Um, she's the cousin of a friend. And her son's graduating high school. They live down like in, I think, Mobile, maybe, Mobile, Alabama. And they have a son graduating high school and like a 14, 15-year-old daughter. And they've never really traveled, but he's a big World War II buff. And so they uh, they wanted to go to Europe. And so they're doing like Paris to London to Munich to Berlin. I planned it from start to finish. That's so cool. Sold him, sold him the itinerary. So like a lot of like World War II stuff. Obviously, you're going to see the highlights there. You know, Eiffel Tower and London Bridge and Westminster Abbey and like all that stuff. But then I, you know, did heavy research on like where I could send them for like they're doing a, a day trip, like a full day trip to Normandy to see the beaches and the museums and stuff like that. So like, and then the girl likes Harry Potter and there's a lot of Harry Potter stuff over there. So like it's not the trip's not about her, but I mean, obviously you got to incorporate that. Yeah. And I'm like, what food do you like? Are you coffee drinkers? Like I have a big like questionnaire and then I get paid off of the resorts that I book. And then, um, I charge them an itinerary fee. So how long did it take you to book the, that, that one trip you're talking about? I've been working on it for four months, like, but not, I'll do it like for an hour and a half at night, you know, 45 minutes at night. Oh, okay. And then I won't touch it for two weeks. Gotcha. And then I always, I probably send her like 15 drafts, you know, like, how does this sound? No, that's too much. Or that's too busy of a day. I, I, I get up at six o'clock in the morning and I'll go to bed at two to two in the morning when I travel. Like a lot of times, you know, like, and still get gym time in sometimes. Like I, I'm just, I can't, people can't travel like me and I know that. So like, I have to dumb it down a lot, like, and just shrink the time. Um, so that's probably one of the toughest things for me is because uh, I have to know that other people can't do that, you know, and they got to have downtime and stuff. So you go, go, go when you're on vacation. I'm go, go, go always, but on vacation, <laughs> it's like. You like, want to get the much as you can of the city or yeah. whatever village, wherever the fuck you're at. Yeah. Like I want to see everything, you know? So like I'm, I, and a lot of times I, I pack too much in. So like I, I have to like sometimes dial myself down personally too. So, but yeah, it's cool. It's fun. Like that was a really cool trip. Uh, I think a guy that y'all had on the podcast before I do a lot of, I plan a lot of like smaller trips for him. Um, like he's actually sent me like two or three people and saying like, we won't ever travel because Brian just makes it easy. Mm. You know, like he just, we don't have to think we just print that itinerary out and go, you know? So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I do. I don't do the cookie cutter stuff. Cause I mean, I do, but yeah, it's not a, you don't get paid until they travel like usually like a month after. So you're booking something like there's, there's stuff that I booked cause I started, started this like a year ago and there's stuff that I booked that I haven't even been paid on yet. Mm. You know, like 
at the very beginning, you know, cause like they have to travel cause with cancellations, COVID, everything else, they're not going to pay you and then have you have pay it back. So I book something seven months in advance and forget about it. So it, it's just a slow process to like actually make like money off of it. But like anything, you know, like anything, when you start something from scratch, it's, it's not like you're walking in and immediately getting a paycheck, you know, so you have to, you have to build it out. So I hope to eventually, whenever I retire from doing like my main job, which is insurance, um, to slowly grow this where it's actually something that pays me a good, a good salary and I enjoy it. So yeah, it, it, it's not something that's going to, it's a small snowball that I'm trying to build. And then when I do retire, hopefully that's like what I can do, you know, as a, as for fun and just for some type of value. So like now it's kind of like, Oh shit, I forgot about that trip. I booked for those people that whatever the money is, you know, in your bank account. Damn. Hell yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's Bri- nice, man. Yeah. Brianne sends me PayPal the the first and the 15th. Yeah. So like, I'll be like, Oh, that's nice. I didn't even know. <laughs> I forgot about that. I didn't even know it's the 15th. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's nice. Yeah. She takes like a 20, 25% cut, but like we get better rates because we're all, she's got like almost 40 agents now. Oh, wow. So, um, we're all, we all have some of the sites. We have different like numbers or logins or whatever else, but we're still all underneath her like LLC. So like sand, we have the highest payout with sandals, which is like, I don't know, like 17% or something like that. Whereas if I had started my own company, they'd start me off at like 11 or 12%. So like even I get paid more by us piggybacking all together than if I was on my own and there's no overhead, like true overhead, you know? So like, you know, if it's a thousand dollars, I get paid 12%. It's a thousand dollars. I get paid 17%. And then she takes 20. I'm still coming out ahead and I don't have the, the hassle or the headache of building it out on my own. So would um, you ever want to have people under you like she does? Yeah. I mean, I think my mindset is the way that, but I don't have time for that. Yeah. Like I don't advertise a lot for my stuff. I mean, y'all fault. I mean, we're friends on, you know, on social media and outside of social media and like, I go in waves. Like when I know I'm, I have like freedom coming up or like my main job's not kicking my ass. Um, I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'll fire these out or whatever else. But like when I post those things, I get, sometimes it doesn't work, but a lot of times I get a lot of influx and like, if I don't have time for it, then I can't do it. So, um, yeah, I don't have any time for that right now, but that's, I mean, that's maybe eventually the goal is to gain the knowledge and the resources to maybe do that. Cause it, I mean, her model is awesome. Like she's, she's killing it. Like, and, but she's also the highest producer out of all of us anyways, but it's also her main job. But yeah, she's living the dream. She travels like she's even at my heyday when I was traveling, like all the time, she still crushes me on that. And I bet she's, I bet she's somewhere at least 40% of the, of the days at least. Wow. And just seeing resort after resort after resort. And it's worked though. I've done three of those familiarization trips and like you see like six, seven, eight, ten resorts in a day. Like you're done when you get done. You're like you're outside like in Mexico, like sweating your ass off. Like seeing like all the different category of rooms and like everything else. But then usually, you know, you're staying in an all inclusive resort basically for free. So like why are you complaining? And then you usually have like one or two like free days like mixed in. So where you can just do whatever you want. But that, those those trips are fun. I've done. I see. I did Antigua, Cancun, and uh, Granada in the Caribbean. So I like, was there for like four or five nights at each of them, and you just go see as many resorts as they can they can set up. So when somebody calls, you can refer them 
to the right, the right place for them. So how does everybody find you to do that? Just social media or word of mouth. Mm. So follow my Instagram, see that I'm at least somewhat know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, then, uh, yeah, like, oh, my friend could do that. And then, I mean, like, I think you've tagged me in Facebook posts, yeah. you know, when somebody's like, I need a travel agent or I need an insurance agent. I get tagged in that, like, constantly, like, weekly. So I hate that sometimes they won't let me tag, like, your name of your company, you know? Yeah. Like, but, so I just have to tag you, like, your actual physical birth name. I'm like, what the hell? I can't get that fixed. I don't know. No, I don't. I think it's on my end because I've seen other people, when they make posts, I think I've seen them use the company name right. instead of, like, the person's name. I'm like, how do you get that? Because mine doesn't work. What's the company called? Uh, my travel, well, I, I don't technically own a travel agency, so I work for World of Wonder Travel, um, which is uh, my boss's brand's company. But we can make like a like a secondary name, like we can co-brand or whatever else. So mine is X Marks the Spot Travel, oh. <laughs> which is my last name is Mark. So yeah. it was just a, um, I think I had a couple bourbons and came up with that one night. <laughs> hey, so, I love it though, man. Yeah, it's, it works. So, and most people say they like it. So like, yeah, it, yeah. X, I tried to get a trademark, but it's somebody else has it already. I mean, obviously X, X marks <laughs> right. trademark. Then it might be, then it might be thinking I'm sitting in like hedonism <laughs> or something. <laughs> Specializing. We actually have a, that may be one of y'all's uh, future podcast guests. Uh, we have a girl that in our uh, agency never met her. But uh, she specializes in like swingers, like resorts and stuff like that. Oh shit! I'd yeah. love to have her on. Yeah, yeah. Man, that'd be cool. Yeah, it's like so, like we did this thing where, uh, you know, my boss with the travel agency was like, "I want y'all to do like a little like TikTok or a video to do like to squash like travel, you know, faux pas or whatever else." And that's what she did. That like she did one on like, um, like swingers resorts and or nude beaches. I think like nude beaches are, you know tacky or well, I can't remember exactly the way she worded it or whatever else, but yeah, she, she specializes in that. I think her and her husband are in that lifestyle. And, uh, I mean, again, I've never met her. Um, I mean, we all work in different parts of the country and I, I haven't even met everybody in there, but like I'd worked for, um, her for like Brianne for like six months until I finally met her. And like we did the Mexico family trip and I think like, 16 or 17 of us out of the group were there. So it's all remote. It's all through email and text. And we have our own private, we have like a Facebook page where we post stuff on there. And then we ask all of our people that all of our clients to join. And then we have a one that's just like for agents only where we ask the questions and stuff. Is there one, is there one that does like spas, like spa retreats? Y'all have that? There's everything. Um, it's you have to go to like every different like we you have like master places that sell like a lot of different brands mm-hmm. and then sometimes you have to go specifically to the mm-hmm. brand and a lot of times it's just like if they don't show up on any of those then you're going to the resort itself and be like hey do you pay do you pay travel agency rate you know like a commission and I mean we're not going to work for free so if they say no then I'm like okay like you can book it yourself you know like I'm not going to book something I mean I guess I could charge you something on the side or whatever Yeah else, I see but, what you're saying But using a travel like you're using a travel agent does not make it more expensive for you like if you can't go book it for $5000 then I'm charging you 5500 like my cut comes from the resort So like and a lot of times I'm going to get it slightly cheaper and mm-hmm. I'm going to do the work for you so it's like you're going to more times than not more than 50% of the time you're going to pay the same price but you're relying on a Google review. You're relying on really guessing, you know, you're, 
you know, oh, they have 4.7 star, you know. Yeah. But is that legit? You know, you don't know because, like, they, mm-hmm. they pay people to force that up sometimes. So, and then if I've never been there, if I haven't placed somebody there, because I I'm usually make my customers, or not, not make them, but ask them to fill out, you know, like, how, what did you like? What did you didn't like? You know, like, what, what, what could have been better, you know? And then they completely hated it. I find out why. And if it's a legitimate reason, sometimes people just complain about everything, you know? Um, but if it's a legitimate reason, then I just won't use it. I'll move on, you know, but then I can, but I have 40 people that are booking as well. So I can ask them. And then when you, I've done two of the fam trips that I went on were not people in my agency. They were from other agents that were from all over the world. So like, if I know they specialize in a certain place, I'll message them. Everybody works together. Like we're all the same team. So we're not, it's like we're competing against the same. We're not competing for the same clients. So yeah, it's cool. It's, um, I don't know. I like to soak all that up. So to me, it's just more knowledge that enhances my passion more than it is for money. I mean, I'm not going to tell her, no, don't pay me, but you know, <laughs> or, or, or book a resort that doesn't pay a commission, but, uh, it doesn't, doesn't cost the consumer, the customer, the client, like more money. It's like, you're going to pay them 5,000. So you're taking from the man, you know, you're taking from Marriott or sandals or like Disney, like they need, so like they're paying me whatever percentage is agreed upon by that contract. And that comes out and you're paying the same amount, if not marginally less. Have you had any of the passport pros hit you up for trips? Not really. I've heard that's like a new thing. Like actually we talked to one of the guys. Um, I don't know if he's looking for marriage, but he's ever since the pandemic, he's been traveling all over. He's, he's really big on TikTok actually. But uh, like he was in Colombia for a bit. Now he's in like, I think he's in the Philippines and he's just traveling all around. But I know like a lot of people are saying they're, they're looking outside of America to find, I guess, mates. So I guess that's why they call them passport bros or whatever. Yeah. I haven't done anything on those lines. I mean, you see it for sure. And I can see how you go down that rabbit hole, (laughs) but uh, no, it's a travel world's crazy, man. They, there's anything and everything for whatever your, whatever's on your palate and whatever's your, your interest. It's there. So like, yeah, there's, I don't mean, I don't have any of the sites that that one lady that I was talking about um, goes, I've never even looked at them. You know, I don't really have a market for it and I don't have time. Um, But yeah, she, she does pretty well. She books quite a bit of that. I mean, obviously if you're in that lifestyle and you come across it, that's like probably a huge thing. So um, she makes some bank, but I can, I can send your information and see if she'd be interested. Yeah. What's the best, um, what's the best passport in the world right now? Because I know ours is like number one or it's up in the top five, right? Or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we can get into pretty much anything. Um, I don't, that's a good question. I don't, I don't really know that. Um, I mean, it's just really, I mean, I'll probably say like Switzerland or something like they're, mm. they're so neutral. They're like, I mean, yeah. Europe, I mean, I mean, Europe is way smaller than the United States and there's what, 40 something countries, I think over there. So like, I mean, it's like, it's like, going from Tennessee to Kentucky, you know? So like I would see, I would say most of theirs are probably pretty wide open just because of their flexibility and everything else. But I mean, you'd have to be like a NATO country for sure. Like, so, um, definitely not Russia, um, or Ukraine, (laughs) but, uh, other than that, I don't know. Have you been to Russia? I have not. Um, I was going to go for the world cup and then we didn't qualify. I, I have my visa, but I'm sure it's not, I don't know if it, I, 
I don't know if it's legal now or not, but I think it was a five or 10 year visa. But when the U S when the world cup was there, what, like five years ago, um, I'd already purchased my tickets, you know, for the, you can blindly purchase like USA's pool tickets or whatever else. And then they had like 1.3% chance of not making the world cup. And then all that catastrophe happened all at once. And out of like sports anger, I canceled everything. And <laughs> I was like, I probably should have gone. Cause I love sports like more than the average sports fan. And, uh, that's, I definitely want to see the world cup in a foreign country. And obviously I want to see the U S play, but that's only like, a small part of the appeal for me, like that would be awesome. I mean, like beautiful women, you know, like passion for the soccer is bar none. It, it, there's nothing that compares to that when it comes to sports. So I've been to several like games in foreign countries, like soccer games. And it's, it's awesome. Like the energy is just like, I go to the Kentucky Derby every year. Like that's the, those two things are the most energy I've ever, I've ever felt in a sporting event. And I've been to every sporting event that you can think of is a, mainly European, but even South America is even crazy too. Like just a foreign country soccer game. And then I'm a big Kentucky Derby guy. So like those are the, when you feel the butterflies and like going through your entire body, like the entire time where like sometimes you're not even watching the game going on. You're just looking at the crowd and the reaction and just, you can just feel the energy. So I I should have gone like an idiot, but I didn't. What are the stadiums? One of the stadiums for the world cup in what is it? What are we? 23? What was it? 22? So 26 is in, in Mexico, and it's the one that has, like, the mountains, like, the stadium's in the middle, and it's surrounded by mountains. Yeah, I saw that photo, too. Like, like that's that, cool as shit, that looks, I was like, yeah. I, I was like, I want to, so when they come here in 2026, there, there's going to be, I mean, the majority of the games are in the U.S., but yeah. there's going to be games in Mexico and then games in Canada. So I want to go to all three countries and see at least one game. Obviously, I'll go to the U.S. games, and then, but I'm, I'm going to go to a game in every country. But, yeah, I saw that photo. I was like, I need to find out. Like east, east, west, north, south, and then I want to sit on the opposite and just stare at that the whole time, you know. And, yeah. not, and that would be one where you would buy like an upper level seat so you could see that, you oh. know. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that photo on Facebook, and that was gorgeous. Like, yeah, I'll go whatever game in that stadium. I think it's Guadalajara or something like that. Um, I think it is, and then, um, then and then Canada's Vancouver, I believe. Yeah, Vancouver's awesome. So like, yeah, I'll, that's my, uh, that's my goal is the because I think there's one in. Like one of the 10 USS, uh, USA sites will be close to like Vancouver, probably like Portland. I can't remember where they all are, maybe like San Francisco or something. So like fly out there, go to a game, and then head up to Vancouver and fly back or vice versa. Because Atlanta is one of the cities. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Atlanta one for, for sure. For sure, yeah. Yeah, Atlanta. Um, I think there's two in Texas. I think Houston and Dallas got one, maybe. Huh. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I've looked at it probably three times, but haven't retained it completely yet. I mean, we're still... We're still three years away, so three and a half. But yeah, that'll be awesome. But they're expanding it next that year. You only get so that because they had to because they have to let three teams in automatically. So what now? Why? So if you're a host country, you have to qualify. Oh, okay. So yeah. So now, so we're there's three host countries. Well, I guess there's technically more, but well, Mexico, I mean, Canada. Yeah, and then yeah. So like that's where the sites are. So like all three of those teams automatically get in, but. Coincidentally enough, they're they're the ones that usually finish one, two, and three in Concacaf, so they probably qualify anyways. So, um, but then there's no pressure. But the World Cup goes from they're increasing the size by fifty percent. So then the next World Cup, so you you don't get guaranteed three games, so you get put into 
three team pools now. So they're going from four team pools, right? Yeah. Well, th- it was four teams in a pool. So there yeah. was four teams of eight. So there's 32 and they're going to 48 now. Oh, okay. So, but they're, but they're breaking them up into, so there's 16, 16 times. Yeah. 16, three team pools. So now what you do is you play two games guaranteed. And then as long as you don't finish dead last, then you move to a round of 32 instead of a round of 16. Ah. So as long as you don't finish dead last out of your group of three, then you get that third game. You get your advancing. Yeah. So like, so like to advance out of your pool and previous world cups, it was the round of 16, which is what usually what America makes it to if they get out. Yeah. Um, and then we normally lose in that round. Um, but so next year or 2026, it'll be around a 32. Just think about that. How much more money the World Cup is going to be making and all those advertising going to be spending. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the big thing is you, you're going to get 16 more countries in. Yeah. It's like that's like. For some of those people, like winning the Powerball, you know, like they, they've never seen it before and everything else. So, like, I, I think that's the best thing about it is that it's going to be like you're going to give 16 more countries that that awesome experience. Now, granted you only get to play two games now, but who gives a shit, you know, it's like you get in the door, you know? So, um, and you would assume the majority of those 16 teams would be the teams that wouldn't advance, you know, because there's a big gap, you know, because like you look at like, you know, when Brazil plays the last team that gets in, they beat them like seven, nothing. So now you're letting in, now you're letting in like 16 more teams like that. So like, (laughs) there's going to be some more blowouts, you know, for sure. But for us as the sports fans, we fun. Go, 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 go. Yeah. You're going to be cheering for that. Yeah. That Cinderella story. I mean, we got March Madness coming up. Like we get that every year, you know? So yeah, it'll be cool just to have some of those teams that don't ever get in. And like, I mean, there's some really good teams in Europe that don't make it South America. Like Chile didn't make it this year, and they're good. Yeah, like Chile would in a neutral site, they'd probably beat the U.S. or or it would be a good game, you know. Like, but so there's a lot of good European teams that don't make it, you know. So that lets them get into. So it'll be cool. I mean, um, you know, the whole purest of the sport. I'm sure there's people that don't like it, but um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing nothing like that passion for, especially like you know, European and South American soccer. But did you also see that they are talking about having the World Cup more frequently, though? Like after the 2026 one, they talk about bringing it down from four four years to like three years or something like that. I wouldn't like that. Nah, me neither. It's like the Olympics. I love that. I used to love the Olympics, like growing up. Like that was, yeah, you love seeing it, but that was kind of like the awesomeness about it was that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get to see this every year. You knew it was special. You know, like this might be your only chance, you know, and you want to see that pressure with athletes and um, see if they can rise to the occasion. Have you been to the Olympics? Yeah. I mean, I went to the Atlanta Olympics um, when they were here, got to see the second dream team, um, Michael Johnson in the track and field. We were there. We were like less than a mile away when the bomb went off. Damn. Like all the people started running toward our direction. Like you heard it. We heard it. Um, I was, I was there for like a six days. And then I think I was there with my dad for like six days. And then my sister and mom joined us for like, four of it did uh did they ever find the person that did it yeah he like almost right after i think like or, or within a couple of days oh that guy that guy didn't get they acquitted th- robert yeah. jewel or yeah. something like that? richard no. jewel richard, richard jewel. thank you he, he he he's not the bomber oh uh, was he not i don't know yeah. yeah if it wasn't sports in the mid 90s i didn't give a shit about it <laughs> yeah. it was like kind of sports related so i get it so yeah maybe he yeah uh, I, I mean i never saw the movie either they made on him but oh i forgot about that movie yeah 
I don't, uh, yeah, to be honest, I don't know. Um, I guess not, you know, I guess I'm, I was living in La La Land when it came to that. Yeah. I mean, I was so addicted to sports back then that if it wasn't directly related to that, I didn't really didn't give a shit. So where did your passion for soccer and the Colts come from? Um, well, soccer was the sport that I played all through like four to high school. You know, I played for my high school soccer team. So it's just using what I always loved. Um, and, uh, don't understand why Americans don't love it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And then the majority of the reason why I like the Colts is definitely a Peyton Manning. I mean, I grew up in middle Tennessee. I mean, I went to Memphis and I, I cheer for Memphis over any like UT sports or anything like that. But, um, I, I went to so many university of Tennessee football games and everything else growing up. So, um, it, the majority of my fandom for the Colts was Peyton Manning. I mean, he went there, but, I grew up, my grandfather, my family on my mom's side is all Catholic. So my grandfather like worshiped Joe Montana. My grandmother used to tell people that uh, his name was Roy. My grandfather, he passed away when I was uh, uh, 13, I think, 12 or 13. Um, but my grandmother used to say, um, Roy loves Joe Montana, Brian, God and Jesus in that order. <laughs> so like, we worship Joe Montana and, uh, or he did. And that's, I used, I mean, my, some of my earliest memories are just sitting in uh, my grandfather's lap watching like Braves games, Cubs games, you know, just anything that was on television. And uh, when Joe Montana went to uh, Raul's uh, beloved Chiefs, we burned all of our San Francisco stuff in the front yard of our house. And so did I, because yeah. you know what? Fuck the 49ers for breaking my fucking heart <laughs> right. by cutting, by releasing Joe Montana. Right. And then my grandfather died like four weeks later. Now they weren't related, but as a 12 year old, you felt like it, you know, like it was like, so... The hate of the 49ers, um, that hate has, you know, died a little bit, you know. Um, so I didn't have a team. You know, there was no, like, NFL ticket. You only got the the two or three games. You know, I guess they probably played, like, four or five games a week. So Jim Harbaugh went to the Colts, and he kind of reminded me of Joe, Joe Montana, like, same size, kind of squirrely guys a little bit. I mean, obviously, Joe Montana is immensely better than Harbaugh, but – so I kind of followed the Colts a little bit like that 90 what was that I think that was 95 96 97 when Jim Harbaugh was on the Colts cuz he reminded me of Joe Montana gave me happy memories or whatever my grandfather and then the Colts Harbaugh left and the Colts sucked in 97 or 90 97 and they drafted Peyton in 98 so then it was like easy transition so um yeah I've been a season ticket holder on and off for them living in Memphis for about I think I've been a season ticket holder 12 of the last 16 years. So just had to pay that big check not too long ago. That was it's a lot of heartbreak right there. Being that fan. Man, y'all y'all are doing the Chiefs are doing the exact same thing the Colts did no, when, we had, when we had when we had when we when oh, we had okay. cuz we just put more responsibility on Peyton every year. But y'all are lucky you got your second championship. That's really like I mean obviously you want more than two, but that's like I think that's what franchises want. If you have like a player like Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, you know, like obviously Tom Brady got seven, but uh, or six with the Patriots. So like, they obviously over exceeded. Um, but yeah, that's what you want. You know, like Favre got one, Rodgers got one. Like you want that second. So like, you're lucky you got that. But like, that's what it's so frustrating being a fan like that of a player that's so that that's that awesome. Their team is amazing. Is like they just keep putting more pressure on him every year. Like y'all just released like you what your your safety and like what an offensive lineman like. You lost Tyreek Clark. Yeah. yeah. You lost like Tyreek Hill last year and you know, he still threw for more yards, but it was like, we don't need him. We don't want to pay that, you know, like, and then you 
constantly lose players. And that's what the, the Colts did is they, they just kept on Peyton will fix it. Peyton will fix it. And it's so frustrating as a fan. Um, so, but I mean, y'all are obviously doing something right. Cause you got the second one. So, but yeah, it was, it was frustrating time. And that's all my fandom. Like I've been a Braves fan my whole life. So when I was growing mm. up, the Yankees were just that much better, you know, like the Braves were awesome, but they just couldn't, they lost to the Yankees three times in the world series. And I was just, you know, heartbroken every year. And the Colts were, the second best team every year, but they just couldn't beat the Patriots. You know, yeah. um, the Patriots were just slightly better than them during when they were awesome. So like, I've had that like frustration in a lot of my sports fandom, like for, you know, when Memphis, that's the only, I went to the final four when Memphis lost and I can't even believe I'm talking about it, but uh drove home from San Antonio, like the longest drive, like one of the longest drives of my life. Like the, I think it was like a 10, 10 and a half hour drive. And it felt like 40 days, you know, mm. felt like I was lost in the Egyptian desert or whatever. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and uh, all I could think about was how many times Kansas, like you, Kansas won in 88 in 2008. Mm-hmm. So you had a 20 year gap in between championships. Right. And then that's like the, the heart of like growing up for us, like our sports fandom. And I just think about all the top five, top four, even top 10 teams that Kansas had from 88 to two, like every year they were ranked in like in the top 10, if not the top five. And it took them 20 years to do it. And Memphis is not that consistent, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's just what drove me. And like, I was pretty much driving myself insane while I was driving this car home. And uh, like, we may never get back. We'll never ever have that opportunity, you know, ever again. And like, they just got it. They just broke through the door for the, you know, second time 20 years later. And they had, 20 opportunities to do it. You know, we don't have as many. So that was tough. That was, that was probably one of my biggest sports heartbreaks was that drive back from San Antonio when we gave it to Kansas, man, it was super tough, man. Like fuck Mario Chalmers. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) man. But like the, but the Braves, the pitching, how could you only win one with that fucking lineup, man? It was brutal. So I, I was training a kid the other day, and he was actually a pitcher for DeSoto Central, and then he played for Memphis for a while. And I was, like, talking about it, and he had no idea. I mean, he knew the players, but I was like, he didn't know how dominated they were because he was 22, you know, only. And I was like, dude, they only won one World Series. And I was like, how? And I was like, that's, that's what the magical question was. How the fuck were you only able to win one when you went to four, right? Yeah. Well, the big thing on that was so they already had Glavin and Smoltz that were, mm-hmm. they were young. They came up through their farm system. I think the Braves traded for Smoltz from like Detroit or something, and he went to the minor leagues. But Glavin and Smoltz were coming into their prime, and then uh, Maddox was playing for the Cubs. He won the '92 and '93 Cy Young with the Cubs, or no, the '92, I think, or something. I can't remember exactly, but he won four in a row, and I think at least two of them were with the Braves, and I, I know one was with the Cubs, if not two. But that offseason, I think he joined the Braves in 94. And the Braves front office basically had yeses from the agents of Maddox, who was the best pitcher at the time, and Barry Bonds. Like they both said, well, if you offer us this contract, we're signing with you. But the Braves weren't, either they couldn't afford it or their front office was refusing to do both. So that was the big conundrum. They had to sit there. Wouldn't it be awesome to be like a fly on the wall, like a war room of that? You know, like, do we sign Gray Maddox and make our pitching staff the most dominant ever? Or do we sign Barry Bonds, who who won the MVP for the Pirates? You know, he ended up signing for San Francisco um, and started taking enough steroids to kill a horse. But like, (laughs) uh, um, 
yeah, that that was their. They could have signed either one. And like, would you have won more championships if you would have signed Barry Bonds then and not had Maddox because your pitching staff was already deep, you know, you know, already strong. But um, and Maddox, like they always had that conundrum where Maddox didn't he didn't pitch bad in the playoffs, but he wasn't like his dominant like regular season self. So like, um, yeah, I mean, you go back and jump in your DeLorean and go back and sign Barry Bonds. Like, would you had won more than one? Would you had even won one? You yeah. know, like who knows? But yeah, yeah, they definitely underperformed for what they had for sure. But then also like the rotation, like three days was what, two or three days. They would pitch again. Right. Wasn't it something crazy? Like no, now it's th- like, now it's like five or six or seven days. You don't pitch again. Yeah. You go, you go five or six games now yeah. um, or five or six days. That's what now. I mean. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you might have gone on four days rest back then, but that they were already. Exp- I mean, you're, that's more of like the the Walter Johnson's, Bob Gibson days, you know, mm-hmm. like where they would they would pitch in like two days later or whatever else, you know. Or it's like Nolan Ryan like pitched like a nineteen inning game and pitched like I don't I can't even remember his Nolan Ryan has the most unbelievable stats for like baseball that you'll ever see, but he pitched like something like three hundred and sixty pitches or something in a game one time. Like, how does your arm not fall off? Like. Now, if they, you know, they're on pitch counts, you know, 80 to like ease them in and then like maybe get to 100 and you get yanked because, like, I mean, they're giving you $40 million a year to play a fifth of the season. You know, it's they're like keeping their arm fresh. Yeah, <laughs> you got to. I had a cousin that got drafted and he played for, he pitched for East Carolina and he had like three or four Tommy John surgeries and never made it to the bigs. But I mean, he got drafted in like the third or fourth round and yeah, had at least three Tommy John surgeries. Like, Jeez. he could throw, he could throw heat. He threw in the 90s. We actually have the same birthday. We're, Two years, exactly two years apart, first cousin. Kind of weird. But, uh, um, yeah, but, he, I mean, you got to protect it. I mean, baseball's not a natural throwing motion. You're throwing 90 miles per hour, and it's just not – you just rip your elbow apart, you know. So, I mean, yeah, they there's obviously a ton of science behind that. But, yeah, that's like back in my day, we pitched every two, three games, you know. So, I mean, whatever. It obviously didn't work. So there's a dude named Tommy John that's famous as hell for a surgery because you throw a baseball. <laughs> like he was way, his, his lasting legacy on baseball is the surgery that every pitcher has to have basically. That's his legacy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's got like, you know, also how they're talking about kids with and uh, tackle football. Should we let them keep on playing tackle football? Because, you know, you're little, you're going, you're, it's just the same impact as you, we see on the NFL, you know, like should we, should we start bringing that back? Like get rid of it or getting rid of it or what? Probably. It's like the purest thing of it. Like the whole big thing for baseball and the spring training is the, the pitch clock, oh, you know, yeah. like they're throwing, they're, they're giving people strikes and balls for not keeping it timely and everything else. And I can see the negative and the positive argument on that. But, oh man, I, that, that, what you said about the tackle football remind me, I uh, dated a girl for four years that lived down in Mississippi and she had three kids and y'all know me, I'm about as competitive. I mean, I'll, I'm competitive with paper, rock, scissor, you know, like <laughs> I'm the most, I'm definitely one of the most competitive people in the world. And I believe in competition and giving it your best and everything you do. That's the only reason why I play sports. I was not uber athletic or anything else. I was usually just, I could run for days and I was just, I wouldn't quit, you know? And that's the only reason why I was competitive in like high school sports. And, uh, I went down and watched her. Her youngest was a, was a boy and he was playing soccer and I showed up. She lived like an hour and a half away from me. So I got off work and drove down there and his 
dad had brought him to the game and I showed up and sat on the bleachers and she didn't get off work until and she got there like 15, 20 minutes late. And she's like, what's the score? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't been keeping up. And she looked at me like I was crazy because my personality is like, I'm obviously at Uber sports. And then I said something, I was like, I don't think they should keep score at this age. So they should be playing these games like this. Mm. Like they should be doing drills like, like the Dutch soccer team. And they're not the best in the world. So maybe it's not an excellent example, but they, they don't play a competitive, like 11 on 11 game in like their training camps for their youth until they're like 11. They do like five E five. They do like drills, 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 drills and learn the game. And then they expand it out slowly. But you play like a eight-year-old like soccer game. The fastest kid is the one that scores the goals because he just kicks it to himself and runs around everybody. They're not learning the fundamentals of the game. And I said, like, I don't even think they should keep score. And this is like small town. And you would have thought I said, like, <laughs> go Obama or something. Yeah. You know, like they turned around and looked at me like I was insane. And I was like, what do you mean we shouldn't keep score? Like, that's the only thing. That's the only reason why we play sports. And like. I get that. Like I do, like I want to win. Like I, I think ties suck. And like, um, you know, when a football game ends and an NFL game ends in a tie, you're like, that was the worst yeah. game ever. And, but I also think it breeds like very bad habits. And just because it gives you like instant gratification doesn't mean you should, you should just go for that. And, you know, like there's, there is something to build something and everything else. And like, yeah, I mean, it, you're not building any skill. You're, if you're, you're the fastest. And I've seen kids that like dominated like little league and, rec league sports. And then once everybody else caught up to them and had skill, they got left in the dust, you know, and the dust, you're not doing, you're not giving any advantage to the, those kids, you know, the kids that aren't fast and the kid that is fast, you know, like, um, or bigger or stronger, you know, like I remember when I used to play basketball, like, you know, before we hit like the growth spurts, I played on this like superstar, like young basketball team. Like we just, we did like a hockey lineup, like five guys in five guys out five guys in. And we, we won every year. I think we, in like six years, we lost like, one game but the other best team we were the celtics and they were the vols and the best player on the vols was a girl and she was like taller than all of us because she hit her growth spurt first and she ended up playing like high school sports in clarksville like she was she went to clarksville high and she was good like she was like the starting center for the the girls basketball team so she was good but i mean like when we were nine (laughs) like like we would beat everybody by like 25 and then like our games would be like 40 to 38, 40 to 37. Like, and I think they beat us once. Like we played them twice and then we always played them in the championship. So we played them three times a year for like five years. And I think they beat us once or twice, but she was by far their best player, you know? So it's like it, when you're at that age, like it, you got to develop skills and like, so yeah, I can see that. I mean, and obviously the head trauma is, is real. It's (laughs) very real. Like, so, but I mean, you got to learn to tackle too, you know, like, so, cause you're going to eventually have to do it, but I think it's about preserving and making and not putting people in danger is probably the way to go. But where do you draw the line? You know, where do you, where do you actually ramp it up and make it, make it a physical, you know? Because you can have flag football and be competitive at it. Just teach them how you said, how to, you know, the fundamentals and that's mm-hmm. where it's at. Like, I think eventually we'll see less of it as time goes on. I mean, NFL ain't going anywhere. It's exactly. The most successful business in the U S you know, like if not, maybe not the most, but it's gotta be in the top five. Right. It just prints money. So, um, yeah, I don't know the answer to that, but I mean, flag football is fun. I used to love playing flag football, like in intramurals in college. Mm-hmm. Like, 
that was the best. So, I mean, and I've seen some of my cousins and my, my nephew play, play flag football. So, um, yeah, I don't know what age they should turn that up. I'm no scientist or, uh, doctor or anything like that, but I, I, I mean, I know most people that that's about kids. Like usually the kids that play football, they, but they play like two or three years of flag and then they advance to like mm-hmm. tackle. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Plus the kids don't know what they're doing. They run with their head forward anyways. And you're going to have two seven year olds collide like helmet to helmet. Like that can't be good. And your brain's not even close to fully developed. I mean, what they say your brain's still growing at like 20, right? I think so. Yeah. yeah I think it's up to, up, up to possibly 20. So, um, like your head and your brain. So like, yeah, well, you don't want that to happen to a seven-year-old. You know, that can that can be bad, obviously. Yeah, I don't think it's ever going to go away. I think there's too much money, and there's always going to be somebody that's going to step up to the plate to take that opportunity that somebody else is like, no, I don't want to risk brain injury. Yeah, the gladiator mentality. Yeah. mentality. Like somebody will, somebody will do it, yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I'll, I mean, it's definitely going to hurt. That's why, like, um, like Magic Johnson's, like, a billionaire now because of how he's invested into sports and everything else. And he invested heavily in like him and his group, like invested heavily in soccer. Cause they expect football to never go away, but come back down to earth because mm. it's football and everybody else. Right. Yeah. And they feel like that's going to come down. You know, basketball's not going anywhere. Baseball's actually has been declining for a while. So they're, they're expecting that and Americans don't love hockey. So like there's they, his group at least has like information and statistics that says that soccer is going to, fill that void and it won't surpass the NFL or football, but he, they've they invested heavily in the MLS and everything else. Do you think they just need like a star star to really make it pop? You gotta have a transcendent person and we just don't have that. Yeah. And the MLS is getting better. Um, I don't really follow it that much. I, I, I'll watch Liverpool. Like Liverpool's my soccer team. So I get up early and watch them. And I actually love that documentary and what, uh, Rob McCallahan and like uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds are doing with Wrexham. Have y'all seen? Oh, that? No, but I've heard about it. Uh, and it was many to check. They played this morning and see if they won. But I uh, watched that. Uh, Welcome to Wrexham and everything else. That's a really cool story. Like uh, what they're trying to build there. Um, they should get promoted this year out of that league. They're like in level five in uh, English Premier League. It's like a. Um, so they're not even in like the top four. So like the top twenty are in the English Premier League and they're four levels below that stuck in, stuck in like purgatory because they can't pay people they they, they they don't get any money from like TV contracts or anything so if they can um, get get promoted out of that league then they at least start getting like like revenue like a lot of revenue yeah. or whatever else that's a that's a really cool story if nobody's seen that then like uh, I like that so I've been following Rexham just because it's we need something like that. Like, and it's, that's actually helped a lot with like, there's a lot of people that follow that, you know, cause always sunny in Philadelphia has been on for like television for like 16 years or something. And never make like, who doesn't like Ryan Reynolds, you know, like every girl in America does. Was that like Shania Tw- uh, Twain took out the Brett? Like, who do you think you're, <laughs> she put Ryan Reynolds in yeah. instead of Brad Pitt? Like that was a big deal. Well then also like, I can't remember what the soccer name, his name is. Uh, it's with a Z. Zoltan. Oh yeah, he came over here. Yeah, yeah. So you know, he's over here at MLS, but he also said like they asked him about American soccer, and they go, "Well, I can tell you why America is so far behind when it comes to soccer because," and he pretty much said, 
it's so fucking expensive. How do people afford to put their kid into soccer program here mm-hmm. in America? Is what he said. He's like, I've never seen the how because he's putting his kids in, you know. And he was like, this is beyond ridiculous. That's why you guys are so far behind. Yeah, we were talking about like before we started recording, like uh, tennis. You know, it's like a rich oh, man's yeah. sport. Like I, I suck at golf. Like I'm and I don't play golf because I'm uber competitive and I hate that I suck. And then I don't get any better at it, so I suck. But it's an expensive sport, you know. Like all those things that are mainly meant for like the high net worth, like rich kids, or like you just somebody noticed that you had talent and they got you in there somehow, some way, like scholarship money, or somebody just took you under their wing, or like whatever else. But yeah, those those sports, tennis, golf, pickleball, you know, like all those things, those are like swimming, you know, like who has access to like a lap pool, you know, like. The, the the people you see on the Olympics are upper middle class, rich families. You know, that's why they were able to get into it, you know, and blue bloods. Yes. 100%. Like row, like where you're going to see crew, yeah. you know, like Harvard, you know, um, like the, the guys that got Facebook stolen from them, you know, like <laughs> Winklevoss twins. twins. Yeah. They were like the crew guys, you know? So like, that's like, they were already rich before Facebook. Now they're like, General generational rich, you know, yeah. so wealthy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a upper middle class wealthy type sport, and it's and soccer's kind of in the middle of that, but it's not basketball, it's not football, it's not baseball, and we, and they don't need it to get out, you know, like the Dominican Republic. Like you're playing baseball because you're trying to get off of that island. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, eighteen thousand dollars is a lot to them, you know, yeah. like. And you can make that play in single A baseball, you know, like you're just trying to get off the island with the chance to make it, you know, and that just doesn't truly resonate in the majority of the U.S. So. And that's just the sport that most people play in other places in the world where we have like everything available, you know. We don't really need much like a net and a ball, right? No, you can. I mean, well, again, if you're just gaining skills, you just need the ball. Yeah. I mean kick against a brick wall like anything i mean i know guys that used to paint um you know a goal on a brick wall and just use that you know and then it comes back to you you know like it actually sucks to shoot into a net because you got to go get it every time Mm -hmm. like i had one of the flat you know it it was a it was a net but it was just the front of the goal so then it would hit and bounce back so you don't really don't even need the you don't even need that because it yeah you don't want a full soccer goal because then you got to go run after it every (laughs) single time and then replace it you know i want it to bounce back you know the ball return so i had one of those in my backyard I wonder if it's thing too, like when you think about it, like you mentioned earlier, America's so new, so young, like we're a little baby on the block. So it's going to take a while for everything else to catch up with the rest of the world. Yeah. I mean, that's without a doubt. I mean, you got to think about that. Like we're still 50, over 50 years away from being, you know, 300 years old. So crazy. that's not that long, no. you know, not at all. Like you, and you walk around a corner in like Ireland and that place has been there for since 800, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, or like whatever else. And that might not be accurate. It might, but 1400, that's a no, the extra 300 years, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, we don't have anything here besides like natural, like the grand Canyon and like, you know, mountains and like everything else, but like man-made stuff, we don't have it. Like you're looking at like 1740, 1750 is like when it would start. That's, not that long ago, Mm-mm. like at all. And this right here is Abraham Lincoln's house. He built it himself. <laughs> right. Now let's go to the gift shop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you go, that's that's the big appeal of Europe where you cannot get here is just 
or in like Egypt or, you know, like anything like that, you know, how in the hell do they do that? You know, there's just structures and stuff. We don't have that. We don't have that longevity, which is, it's crazy to think because you, you feel like America has been here forever, but you know, like us living here and it's like, we've always been here. We always will be, but that's not necessarily true, you know? So, um, and what we've been around for like right at 250 years, but, and I guess, 2026 will be 250 years. So like, that's a long time for like a quote unquote, like dynasty. If you want to go back, say empire, like, you know, that's been around like a government Two, 250 years is a long time, but in the, for it not to, to truly change, you know, um, and adjust. Uh, but that's not very long in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I think that people don't take that into consideration either with like the politics and how people are either. It's just like, it, it's a social experiment. You don't know what all this shit from back then or, or the new shit they're trying to implement now is going to have an effect later on down in life. Oh, we're just, it's kind of like growing pains. That's what we're going through right now. Yeah. We're kind of like a teenager, yeah. you know, you know, and that's not always comfortable, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I agree. It's just, I don't know. It's weird to look at it I, or they do like, I mean, I'm, I'm not very uber religious now or anything like that. Um, but if you, if you say that the world is, as old as they suggest, whatever millions of years that like when humans were introduced, if you're doing like a 24 hour day, we're like a minute and a half <laughs> in a 24 hour day. Yeah. You know, so like that's like if you, if yeah, the entire existence in the world, if it started from a piece of dust to like right now, it was 24 hours, like, and it might even be less than a minute and a half. Like it might be seconds. I can't even remember exactly what it is, but I know it's not longer than like a minute and a half in a full day is when, the first human walked on the earth. Like that's just crazy to actually like break it down to like that. It's just like your brain's just like, that doesn't even make sense. You know, I was listening to this thing. It was a uh, Neil DeTice. Isn't it with Neil DeTice? Whatever. How you yeah. His name. Let me actually play it. But like, I had never thought about the way he put it into perspective. And I was like, Oh shit, man. So it really makes me, I appreciate life as is, but this right here just really, Made me sit back and go like, oh, fuck. Yeah, like the timeline stuff is just pretty nuts. Most humans who could ever exist never will. I think I've heard you say it. There's been more humans that have not come into existence than do exist. By far. And so the fact that you exist at all is against stupefying odds of who gets born and who does not. Any moment you spend squandering those moments you are alive does disrespect to all those who will never even be born. But yeah, it's just like you sit back and you think about like, like you said, it's a speck of dust as far as like the time we've been here and we're lucky to be here. There's our people that would never be here and there's future people that would never be here. And to like to take that for granted and not do anything with it or to just squabble about some dumb shit like when i when i saw i like you always think about like there's a lot of people that were in the same nut that i came out of right and it's like what would they have done with my opportunity or what am i going to do with my opportunity i don't know when when you were talking about that the spec that just made me think about that man it just you just everything is perspective man i think a lot of us take this life for granted oh that's without a doubt like i mean you see people like i mean i'm guilty of that too like i'm not I don't necessarily 
I often feel like I struggle with like not living up to my potential or am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing or like whatever else. And what I've always come back to is just as long as I'm doing more good than bad and um, trying to grow every day, then that's all I really try to want to do. You know, you just want to make the people that helped you get here proud, you know? Yeah. Uh, somebody was like, all our ancestors had to fight off infection, people trying to murder them or whatever. And to not do anything with the time you're given is disrespectful for everything they went to to get to the point we're at right now. Yeah, I saw something. I mean, you probably you watch a lot of the same stuff or shit. I might even saw it on your thing. But like when they break down the math, I mean, obviously, again, back to my way my brain works, numbers are always good. But when they start like multiplying out like the generation, like how many people had to get together. And I think they went back like 10 generations or 12. And it's like 4,560 people like had to do something to make your your tree you know yeah because like yeah yeah two people above you and then it compounds and it stretches out you know so to make your great 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 grandparents like yeah i can't remember they only went back like 10 generations maybe 12 and it was like four thousand five hundred, whatever it was had to like reach the certain age where they could reproduce yeah to be able for you to exist <laughs> it's so wild and that's man. just you you know like that's crazy. and they only went back you know and then our parents had to be in the same spot at the same time for that even to happen. Yeah, it's nuts. When you actually break it down like that, and then you're like, what What the hell am I doing? You know, like, like, you know, I have a hangover this morning. Like, I don't want to get out. You know, like, it's just like, what a, what a, what a sissy you are. You know, it's just, uh, yeah. But I mean, everybody does the same things, you know, like everybody has that, like when you break it down, everybody, most people have the same struggles. It's just a different variation. Yeah. Where's your mindset come from? Mm, probably my mom. I'm really close to my mom. Like my mom passed like a little bit over three years ago. She got, she, she just not, it was not fair. Um, she actually beat breast cancer. Um, she got breast cancer fairly early. Um, and then she was, uh, thir- 12 or 13 years, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, in like remission on breast cancer survived that. And she got diagnosed with dementia. Oh, damn. At a very early age, like for, for that, I think she got diagnosed with dementia in like at 62 or 63. And then it moved pretty quickly to early onset Alzheimer's. And she only from diagnosed to death, it was only like a little bit less than three years. So she was like an elementary school, um, special education teacher. So like we had like a completely finished basement where which was my bedroom was, Growing up and in the summertime, she just basically tutored kids to make sure they would advance. Um, Cause that's like special education is not like wheelchair handicap in elementary school. It's just behind in reading and, and math. Um, and that's usually their upbringing. They're not getting, nobody's helping yeah. them with their homework or like they might have a stutter and then they're, they're afraid to read. And if you're not practicing, you're not learning. So, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, whatever it might be, maybe they're picked on or, you know, they're, the most of the thing or they had ADHD and it wasn't wasn't diagnosed back then. You know, that dyslexia, like a lot of that stuff wasn't diagnosed. I remember when I was in elementary school, I couldn't even cut out the pictures of the map because they didn't have left handed scissors. You know, like how are they going to diagnose like dyslexia? You know, yeah. like how are they going to do that? Like so those kids were just sat there and like and treated like everybody else and they shouldn't have been, you know. So that's where my mom came in um, and like thousands of other special education elementary school teachers all over the the U S or the world. And so I would wake up in the morning and have to read 
with like these kids. Some, some, some summers it would be like eight kids. Sometimes it'd be like 25. It just depends. Like again, Clarksville's a huge military town. So like you knew when people came back from uh deployment because like, like my high school class, my freshman class in my high school was like over 800. Um, and they built a high school in between. I went to Northeast. There was a Northwest. They built a high school in between and it obviously took a lot of our numbers away, but like the senior class was like 390 and we were like 815. So you know that like the mil- all the guy, all the, the men and women came back from being deployed, you know, 18 or 14 years ago or whatever that yeah. time frame was. There's, there's, there's classes where there's big swings, mm. you know? So, but yeah, so sometimes there would be, you know, 20 kids down there and my sister did it. My, I did it. We would just read with them and get them so they could go from second grade to third grade. So like, she would at least 40 to 50% of the time we would go out in public movie theater, grocery store. Somebody would come up and like hug her, like almost in tears, like crying. Like you saved my kid's life. It wasn't for you. They never would have graduated high school. They never would have gone to college. Like some of them are doctors. Some of them are a ditch digger. It doesn't matter. But like, it would be like the actual kid. It would be their parent, their grandparent. So that was just very like, she didn't get paid shit, you know, like teachers, like that's one of the, biggest travesties of America is the way we treat our teachers, you know, and leave them so vulnerable. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was very, that was very powerful, you know, like, uh, just somebody being so appreciative and she was salt of the earth, like just the sweetest woman ever. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's what I like the three closest women in my, our three closest people are my favorite people on this planet were my grandmother my mom and my niece. And I probably shouldn't say that since mine, hopefully my nephew never hears this. When he gets older. <laughs> Um, and I love them both like so much. I don't have kids of my own and my niece and nephew are like, I love them to death. I watch them and my sister and brother-in-law travel and they're just, they're awesome. But my niece is like my favorite person on this earth. And I don't know why I gravitate toward women as far as like my people, but I guess it's because my grandmother and my mom are very strong, you know, people, um, they got crapped on a little, a lot. Um, but yeah, so yeah, my niece is, like she, well, her personality is a lot like mine too. Like my nephew is definitely like a blend of my brother-in-law and my sister. Like exactly. If you put them in a, in a, in a blender and mixed them up, that's, that's who my nephew is. But my niece is very much like me. She's more, they're, they're all like OCD and very rigid, like very, con, like very controlled. And I have a lot of those tendencies just because it's the way I was raised, but yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. My, my. And I don't, I don't live up to it perfectly by any means, but a lot of my mindset and everything else is definitely from my mom. So I don't get along with my dad at all. So he's still, he's still alive, but I don't, we don't talk a lot. So you're like polar opposites or something. My, all, my negatives are definitely my dad. Like the things that I struggle with anger, um, argumentative, just, uh, you know, things like that. Um, I was around it. So, and he has reasons for being that way, but the biggest Problem and where I'm very much different is I seek help. You know, I mm. go to therapy. I go to therapy. Um, I definitely believe in self growth. It takes a lot for me to say sorry and I was wrong, but I will do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I'll I'll fight tooth and nail until I know I'm there. Um, but uh, no, nah, I mean I never heard him say sorry, so I never never admitted wrong like anything like that. So I mean I never met my grandfather. So um, he left when my dad was like 13 and. My dad was the oldest. He had three sisters and all my aunts and my grandmother like hate men, like just, and rightfully so. Like my, my grandfather apparently was very abusive, alcoholic. 
Um, so he left when my dad was 13. He moved like two hours away from us, like from them and eventually me and lived until like his late seventies and no one ever saw him, you know? And then that was probably like 50 years, you know, like whatever else. And, um, so I was supposed to be Albert Smith marks the fifth, but I'm Brian Albert marks. But my mom was like, we're not doing that. Cause like, why would we continue with a legacy of just like anger? Yeah. So, and my dad's side of the family is all like that. They, they, they have a bunch of farmland and they've been fighting over it for years. Like my great, great grandfather was the governor of Tennessee, Albert Smith marks the first. Oh, wow. So when he retired from Capitol Hill or whatever in Nashville, he acquired um, a bunch of land, I guess, like outside of Clarksville. And then my family has been fighting over it ever since. So like it just made them like all angry and bitter people. So, and then, I mean, I, I mean, technically I should have generational like wealth, you know, from like my, my great, great grandfather, but because I guess his son and definitely like, they say like the third generation, like usually the one that fucks it up, that would have been my grandfather. Mm-hmm. So like he was obviously just an awful person. And then, so my dad got a lot of the negatives that he had from, from that, but he never sought like sought help or anything like that. I, mean, I definitely think he's probably, again, not a doctor. I don't know how to diagnose anything. And I'm actually kind of very ignorant when it comes to that, you know, um, you know, science and medical and all that. Um, it's not my forte by any means. And, uh, I, I feel like he's probably bipolar, like never been treated or anything like that. So that's where obviously you grow up that way. You're a product of your environment, you know, and that's, that sucks and everything else. But the thing is like, you, you have to be able to realize it and, and make that change. And he was never able to do that, you know, or refused to do that. So being self-reflective is not easy, man. It's not easy to be like, I'm the common denominator for the reasons why bad shit's happening or mm-hmm. everybody around me has issues. You know, there's, there is a point in time, especially when you're a man, I would assume that you, you don't want to be that way. anymore. Yeah. Y'all hit on that. I mean, I've listened, I don't, I haven't listened to all your podcasts or, or all the way through, but I've listened to a lot and turn them, turn it on when I drive, especially like when I go to Nashville and stuff. And y'all hit on that a lot of how is it fair male woman? So obviously that works both ways on different subjects, but like guys can't talk about their feelings and like everything else. And I've never been like that, you yeah. know, like, well, I wouldn't say never. Um, but I got out of that way quicker than I did out of like a couple other my flaws, you know, like I'll admit that I cried during a movie or something like that. that doesn't bother me. Like I've always been, my emotions like spike quickly. Like, I don't think I'm an over like emotional, like, like a boo hoo hoo type person, but like I can go from like zero to a hundred, like on that level, like instantaneously and, and things like, why am I, why did I even get there? You know, like, and I think it's important to look at that and try to figure that out, you know, and there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. And I started doing therapy. Um, I don't go religiously um, or consistently at all. Um, and it's tough to find somebody. I think that's cause you got it, 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 you're like afraid to ask, you know, a lot of people are, but I've never, I've personally never been that way. Like, I'm like, who's your therapist? You know, tell mm-hmm. me everything. Do you go to therapy? Like, uh, I, I don't care. Cause like, I don't, I've never, it's been a, a positive and a negative in my life. I don't really care what other people think, you know, about me. Like, and I won't say that like entirely cause you do, you always somewhat care, but like the people that like obsessed with it, I don't like, I don't care. Like if you like me, you like me. If you don't cool. Um, it could be one of those things where they don't truly know you or it might be something that they're having an issue with that they're trying to project onto you. I definitely agree with that. Like everything that I've ever pointed out with a next girlfriend, like, it, or it's usually like me 
you know, looking, instead of saying it to myself, I'm saying it to them, you know? Mm, And I think so many people do that, especially with like relationships and like, um, you know, with their significant other, like you're not really mad at them. You're mad at yourself and you're just too much of a pussy to say it to yourself, you know? So you're just going to beat them down, you know, like it's, that's easier. That's simpler, you know? Um, and I think, and I've been one that like where I've struggled the most when, with like relationships with, with like past girlfriends is I did not grow up in like an abusive household where I was like afraid to go home, but I, I did experience my dad. Like he physically hit my mom three times, like bad, like really bad. And, um, as far as I know, there was never any like, you know, cheating adultery or anything like that. But I knew, I knew at like eight years old, my parents would be divorced and my mom just stuck it out until like, she divorced my dad when I was like a sophomore or junior in college. It's like the second I was set, she knew I was good. Cause I was the youngest between my sister and I, and she was out and she also grew up Catholic, which divorce was like, yeah. it was, it's like the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You know, you can murder somebody, but like, you shouldn't get divorced, you know, like it, which is crazy to me. Um, so the, that, that, that factor didn't do it as well. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I don't know when the light bulb went off, um, but I mean, I grew up in an argument in the household, so I wouldn't, I'm, I will never put my hands on a woman. It's just, I witnessed that and it was terrible, you know, like, so like, that's one thing I can promise you I, w- I won't ever do, but I would go through relationships probably definitely into my, t- into my thirties where like, I'll never cheat on you. I've never cheated on anybody in my life. Um, not even kiss or like anything like that. Even back to like a middle school girlfriend, you know, um, so I would go through blindly going like, I'm, I'm a catch. Like I'm, I'm a good person. Like why would, why would you have a problem with me? Cause I'll never cheat on you and I'll never hit you. Mm-hmm. But there's so much more than that to a relationship. And I was like, well, you should be thankful, you know? And like, I was just dumb and mm-hmm. ignorant and the light bulb went on. And like, I, I, I argued and verbally abused a lot of my past, you know, uh, exes, you know, and, but I didn't ever realize that because yeah. I was like, well, I'm standing on these two pillars and this is all that matters, you know? And until that went off um, and I still haven't mastered it or figured it out. Obviously I'm 42 and single, never had never been married or anything else, which I don't think is a negative, but um, a lot of people on dating apps do. Um, like I get, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, and I love that debate. We can get back to that, but um, <laughs> uh, uh yeah, man, it's tough because like I always stood on those as those like I'm a catch. Like that's awesome, and that's not the case. You gotta you gotta work at it, and that th- those are important. Don't get me wrong. Like you shouldn't be doing that or anything else, but that's not the, the end all be all. Yeah, I think empathy, like an emotional maturity. That's I think that's something that I think women more need than stability sometimes. And I think we as men just think, oh, I, you know, I have these bases covered. I'm good. But then if you don't show them like uh, the emotional side of you or or like able to not as be so stoic all the time, like they need the comfort. Not all, but I think a lot do. Yeah. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody has their own triggers and what pushes to the forefront. But yeah, that was that was. That was kind of along probably around the same time that um, I started traveling. You know, I, I think it, I think all of that's there, the good and the bad. Like, I think the good and the bad is in everybody. You know, like it's just what gets pushed to the front, what gets kind of like moved around. And um, there's obviously circumstances that happen to you that push things further down and brings other things to the top. And um, 
I just think it's important to try to like know that and realize that. And some people never struggle, you know, and other people always struggle and you may not even know it, you know, you can't even see it and you think it's all, I mean, it's like the people that commit suicides, you never would know, you know, yeah. like Robin Williams or what is it? Uh, Twitch, you know, on like, that was like, I don't even watch Ellen DeGeneres' show and I don't really know much about him, but everybody knew who he was. Cause I mean, he was famous and like, mm-hmm. he always, the things that I did see always had a smile on his face, yeah. always happy as hell. And like, he was told he was loved every day, you know, and he still chose to do that. And that's, you know, that's crazy to me, you know, like, cause I don't have that in me. Like, I don't really have a true addictive like bone in my body and I don't have a depressed bone in my body. Like that doesn't mean I haven't been addicted to things before and I haven't, um, been down in the dumps and depressed, but like as an everyday life and everyday struggle, I don't truly know what that feels like. Yeah. You know, so that's just a, that, and that, that scares me because I know it could come on at any time and then you're not prepared for it. Like to me, that's one of the most impressive things in the world is the people that actually get up every day when they, when they actually truly, truly struggle with that. And they really have like deep anxiety, deep depression, you know, suicidal thoughts and everything else. And they, and you would never know, like to me, that's, amazingly depressive because I know how that's felt in the very short term. And I can't imagine like people that have migraines like every day, like I've had two migraines in my life and I wanted to die, mm. you know, like, and how do people do that when they get three a week? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, man. Like, I, like that's like, that's power to me, like better than the best like bodybuilder in the world or the be- like LeBron James of basketball or like whatever you want to say, like, you know, you're, that's like amazing to me, you know, to be able to overcome that and live a productive life. Yeah, I think the mental side of health needs to be on the forefront for a lot of people, for everybody, really, because, I mean, without a strong mind or having, like, intrusive thoughts, you might do something to yourself or to somebody else. And, I mean, I think that's why we're seeing so many mass shootings now. Um, And it's predominantly men doing it. You know, it's like there shouldn't be a thing where just because you're a man, you shouldn't be able to talk about your having issues. Agreed. I think that's just ignorant. Like, there was a time when everything was about survival. Like back in the Great Depression and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think we're past that point now. I think we as people just need to evolve, you know, and be like, not everything has to be, you know, if you're a cry, you're not a man. Or if you talk about your feelings, you're not a man. Or you have issues, you're not a man. Like, And I think that goes for women, too, because I think there's a lot of women that say they want a guy to be vulnerable. But if the man is vulnerable, they'll judge him for being vulnerable. Oh, so Colleen, uh, we had a we had a guest named Colleen. Um, she did the poll, Tony, and uh, the poll was asking her uh, her um, clients, which are mainly female, is it are you unattracted to a man if he starts crying? And they all said, except for two, one was a guy, and uh, the other one didn't, didn't answer. They said um, the answer was no. I they don't find they won't they won't see a problem with it. And I said, I don't know. That's just your little friend group, I guess. But um, I mean, I think it's case by case. Yeah. But I think I, dep- I guess it depends on what you're crying over, too. Yes, definitely. Because if you're just crying shit. over, like you know, you dropped your pretzel or something like that, she's probably not going to be attracted to you. <laughs> no, one hundred percent. But right. like your family member passed away yeah. or something. Like, yeah. or if you cried after sex. That was so beautiful. You know, like, you know like, yeah. probably need to get the fuck out. You know, <laughs> you know. Hey, so. thanks. You're over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but no. I do, like I said, I do think that guys should be able to talk to eat, to their friends or somebody instead of just yeah. burying it down. Because I don't think burying it down does good for anybody. No, yeah, definitely not. And I leaned on people like. Uh, when I had my breakup, it should have happened like 100%. It should have happened. Shouldn't have made it four years. But, uh, 
Yeah, I leaned on a lot of friends, like a lot of our personal friends. Like I would just go like sleep on their couch, you know, and be like, hey, I feel like fucking shit. Like I don't, we don't even have to do anything. Like I'll bring over beer or food or whatever else. And um, there was two or three people that were amazing and to help me out. And I wasn't afraid to ask for it, you know, and they weren't afraid to give it. And um, and it's people that I don't see like on an everyday basis or even talk to like weekly or anything else like that. It's not like I talk to them. 10 times a day, but I knew that that person wouldn't judge me. I knew that person would be there and would say yes, you know, and that's all. And they had the the freedom and the flexibility to do that, you know, and not everybody has that. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I, it wasn't like I would have done anything to myself or I wouldn't have made it through it, but it just helps, you know, and I wasn't afraid to ask for that. And I knew it. That's when I really started going back to therapy and doing that. I was going like once every two weeks and I did that for about two years. Now I, I just like it with everything, like my cleaning lady therapy haircuts. I don't have like a rigid schedule. It's just like when I feel like I'm slipping or I'm not like focused or driven or anything else like that, then I, I relock back in, I reset and I know the things that make me function at a high level. Yeah. But what you were talking about with like the brain and like everything else. And I'm looking over here at these books on, on the desk here. I think that's the biggest problem because the brain is a muscle. And like, and I was thinking, my question to y'all is like, y'all been doing this for a while, what, like almost four years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your memory's better by like just talking and like everything else? Like, do you feel like you function better like daily? Like it's almost like working out, right? Like I don't, I do work out to like hopefully be in shape and look good, you know, and everything else. But I, and you, and you think that when you work out, like you're going to be tired, but it actually gives you 10 times more energy. It makes you feel better. It, it, it gives you, if you have stress or anxiety, it, it usually helps with that. You know, there's so much more benefits than just gaining muscle or looking good. You know, working out is drives so many other things. But I mean, do y'all feel like it's helped you a lot of ways? It's like the way you feel, the way you act, the way you, you know, even like your memory and stuff like that. I like just talking. I would say for me personally, I think it helped me listen better and absorb information. So, yeah, the, the retainment. And then also just hearing people's perspectives and thinking about things in a different way than because like not every it's not one size fits all. And so you'll talk to somebody you're like, oh, OK, I thought I never thought about it that way. So in that aspect, yes, I've, I've definitely gained a lot of knowledge listening to people like different careers and stuff like that. That's for that's for sure. And uh, just listening where everybody their different walks of life where they come from and stuff. That's I've definitely learned from that, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think. When you, when you hear people think like, so you start thinking like you actually use mm-hmm. your brain and a lot of times you're not blindly staring at a television yeah. or like, um, staring at your phone or just looking at pictures. But I mean, like, I think that's the biggest thing is you're talking about like, you know, mass shootings and things like that, especially if they're older and they're not like young, like most Americans, if, even, even if they make it to graduation of high school, really stop reading and really stop learning at 18. Like what's life expectancy? 78. So you go 60 years of your 78 year life and you're never retaining any, like you're never reading, you're never learning something new mm-hmm. besides maybe like how to function at your one specific job, which, you know, if you're only going, you know, if you're not, if you're not gaining knowledge and not growing, that's probably not like a very like difficult, like a highly, like you're not retaining a lot of information or constantly learning. Like you get taught a skill and you just do it for 40 years, 30 years. So I think that's the biggest problem. Like, that's where I feel like I've gotten a lot of like growth as far as that. Cause I could feel my mind slipping where I used to be able to tell you like 
everything and anything about somebody's like stats when it comes to sports oh. and like that. And I remember like I started feeling like I still always have a high level for that. Um, just remember numbers or just random stuff. But I felt like for, I guess my standard that I had been accustomed to, I was slipping. And then I realized that I hadn't been reading like in 10 years, like I hadn't picked up a book since college or like wherever else. So I started making that like an everyday and I've seen like huge strides in that, like where I focus better and I retain stuff and I don't constantly like forget stuff because I try to read like a book a month, you know, mm. and that's not even a lot, you know, like I think my, my brother-in-law read like 220 books last year or something like that. Damn. You know, like he reads all the time. So I try to make that, like I try to incorporate at least like three, four nights a week to read like 20, 30 pages and stuff. And I think that's, I think that's a huge problem. Cause I mean, if you're talking, this just make it easy and say, you know, you stop reading and learning at 20 and then you live to 80. That's, you don't do anything for 75% of your life. Like, and you don't grow the brain. It's like, if you worked out hard for 25% of your life and you just stop, it's, it's going to go away. Yeah. You know, like it's going, like you could be the, the buffest person in the world and you just stop. If you worked out for 25% of a year and you didn't the 75, you would have no gains like whatsoever. If you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's huge. So, um, I yeah. think a lot of people are emotionally stunted too, man. Like, but like when you said that, I've never thought about that. People stop at 18. And I think that's why some people are just not so interesting because they don't do anything. They're mm -hmm. just doing the same Groundhog Day shit every single fucking day. Driving yourself insane. Yep. Yeah. And that's what I love about the traveling, man, because it's like you're seeing the people's points of view. You're seeing stuff that you're not going to see. You can see something online, but once you see it in person, it's, not it's different. Yeah. Like I never thought about Africa the way Africa was until we went there. God, you hated that. Uh, the flies. <laughs> the flies are the fucking worst, man. That was, uh, uh, we did that, what was it, five nights and six days in Tanzania on that safari. And uh, I tell people not to do that long. But some people do, like, 11 days. I can't imagine that. Like, <laughs> fuck. Tony's like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, Just imagine <laughs> if we would have had more people with us, too, man. Oh, God. That would have been super crowded in that vehicle. Yeah. Or vehicles. I, yeah, I think if we if everybody would have gone on that trip, I think it was I think four people dropped out. How mm. many people? How many people originally were supposed to go? Eight, and four went. I think yeah. And oh, okay. One dropped out at the very very end. Y'all had him on. Uh, Stephen was on. He mm. dropped out at the very end. He, oh, that's right. He paid for like the deposit. So I think I think he paid like forty percent of the safari. Wow. And then he did, but I think that's when he started going through some of the stuff he talked oh, about. Yeah. And he was he was very vague with me because I was the one that was in charge of it, and. Obviously now hindsight, I know what was going on, but I was like, what the hell's going on? Or even like we talked about where people aren't sympathetic. I'm like, quit being a sissy, like get, get your ass on the airplane. You know, like what's wrong with you? Like you already paid $1,100 or 12, whatever it was. Yeah. He paid the deposit, which I think was half. Um, and you don't get that back. Um, I think he got like 200 back or something like that. Um, but yeah, he just, he, he dropped out at the very last second. Um, when we started like gearing up to get like shots and like all that. Um, and then three dropped out because they had the time to take the two weeks off. But if we, they got quarantined, they wouldn't have been able to do that. So they were afraid of missing a month of work, mm. um, that they wouldn't have their job otherwise, you know? Yeah. So that's legit. Yeah. yeah like, that's yeah, legit. And, that's, and that's, I'm like, I a thousand percent agree. Like if, if I got back and I had a quarantine, I can do all my work from home, yeah. you know? So like, that's not a problem for me. Like they probably wouldn't be happy that I wasn't in the office for mm -hmm. like a month, but that means that doesn't mean I still can't be productive um, and do my job from the confines of my own like apartment. But yeah. like, so that I, I get that there was not a, 
a month of flex. Like one of them was a lawyer. Like they can't miss a month of their of their clients and stuff like that if they did get you know COVID and had to quarantine for fourteen days. So that yeah, it was supposed to be eight, and it dropped down to us four, which I thought was great because we had plenty of space and um, and we were all dudes and kind of bigger dudes. So like it was uh, it was definitely needed. But yeah, those flies were out of control. Fucking wildebeest, man. All that shit. <laughs> those lions need to do a better job and get rid of some of those things. <laughs> man, I didn't realize how big that fucking planes were. Like, it's just because I think that's what they say. Um, uh, what's the park? Uh, uh, Serengeti? Yeah, I think it's something like something about big planes or big land or something like it. But it's, it's so like usually you're used to seeing here like a building or something, you know, obstructing your view. There's nothing. It's just vastness. But that, yeah, I mean, like, it's, yeah, you get on those planes where you have nine to, I guess the biggest ones have 11 seats because you, you can have, you can have three, three, and four. So, like, three on the left, three on the, so 10. So, three on the left, three on the right, four in the middle. And there's like 80 rows of that, you know, like, <laughs> it's crazy to me. So, there's like, if not more. And, I mean, obviously up at the front, you, it's more spread out, you know, with business class and then first class. But I mean, yeah, you got thousands of people on this thing and there's flying through the air, to the, yeah, like all that stuff. But it's that comedian that's from Nashville, Nate Bergazzi or whatever. Oh, yeah. And he talks about, um, he talks about all like, he doesn't cuss or anything else like that. And, uh, but he talks about stuff like that. That's just like kind of blows your mind. We are just like, when you put it, when you, when you look at something like that and then you put it in the big scheme, it's just like, it's just crazy to me. I got, he, he, his little the thing I'm talking about. He's like, yeah, if I, if I could time travel and I went back, he's like, I think I'd be in a worse situation than I am now. <laughs> Cause I see somebody like answer the telephone, you know, back in, you know, Alexander Graham Bell answered the telephone. Oh yeah. When, when you get a, when you get to the future, you're going to have that in your, in your pocket. You can, you know, you can carry that around with you. And they're like, oh, well, how does that work? And he's like, fuck, I should have said that. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, something about like uh, satellites up in the air. What's a satellite? Damn it. You know, yeah. like, cause he can't explain it. He can't yeah. tell you how it works. And when you think about that, like, I don't know how that works. Like that baffles me. Like, well, how- just think about somebody that's in prison and they get out. They've been in prison for 20 years, 20 years to us just seems like 20 years. 20 years to them is like 200 years because mm-hmm. there's a big shift in technology and the world is yeah. now. Yeah, 2003, like there was no text messaging really. And if it was, it was the, was it the, the TN where you had to hit, you had to hit it four times <laughs> to get <laughs> S. Yeah. Like, and it's nothing like that. You know, like I, yeah, when I was, I remember the first couple of years in college, you didn't even text. Like you have, like I got to call my dad back, you know, after I get out of this class, you know, like, cause you just turned it off, you know, there was no texting like, Hey, I'll call you in 20, mm-hmm. you know, like anything like that. You know, like, and you had like three people you had to call back in between your 15 minute classes, <laughs> you know, like, cause there was like, yeah, I mean, and then now you send a thousand text messages in a day, you mm-hmm. know? So like, that's just 20 years ago. You yeah. Know? So yeah. I mean, it's just, that always baffles me too. Like how we don't really know the everyday workings of our lives. And then, but somebody does thank God, you know, or we wouldn't have it. But, um, I wonder too, like all the people that were created or like we talked about before that weren't created, how many people would have had that same idea to create the iPhone or text messaging or this microphone we're talking through right now, which is nice. This is weird. Like I can like echo, <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's just like, cause I was listening to uh, this guy's style banner. He's the UFC. He's be a champion. And he was talking about how, like, everything is manifested through something. Like, somebody had an idea for something, and they put it out there. But I wonder how many people have that idea. Because I think a lot of people think of parallel thinking. 
Like, I don't think there's really any original ideas. So I was listening to something yesterday. They were talking about like how like Marcus Aurelius, like one of the best Stoics ever, like he still talks about something today from 2000 years ago that is relevant today. Mm hmm. So it's like from so from somebody from two thousand years ago had that idea, and you have it today. It's like, how many people are thinking like that? Right. Well, and that was like one of the most common sayings ever is like, whoever gets there first, like when you know, like you know, like get there first is like number one thing. Like they said, they, they, they whatever that line is, they said like in the Facebook movie or whatever else. Like you want to get there first, you mm. don't care about. But I don't think that's that was necessarily true because most of the time you're just slightly improving something. Yeah. So like this was just a slight improvement. 200 times or a thousand mm -hmm. times or whatever else from the original one, you know, and then obviously that was from the radio and, you know, like tel telegrams, like telegraph machines, uh, Morse code, you know, it's just improve it, improve it, improve it. Just take a slight step forward. And that's what you have. I mean, that's horse and buggy to airplanes, yeah. you know, or rocket ships, I guess, or past that. So, cause what is that Steve jobs quote? It's something about like great art of steel or copy or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, you're just going to, I mean, that's music, that's everything. I mean, that, that's sports, you know, like Jordan had a fadeaway, then you add something else, you know, like you keep you keep evolving it, you keep yeah. pushing it forward. Well, also, like they say, there's no more original ideas, right? I'm sure there'll be something every now and then, but like we just keep on improving everything we already have. Well, like even our words are somebody else's words. We're just structuring uh, them in yeah. different places. Right. Which is the one thing I suck at. I, that's the one thing I hate about travel. Everybody, that's one of the questions I always get. It's like, do you speak other languages? And that's by far like one of the worst things I cannot do. Well, you got Google Translate. Well, yeah. never mind. That did really suck when we were in Columbia. <laughs> but I can't. I like we every time I get in a vehicle. Like you always like if you have a taxi driver that has like good communication skills or whatever else that you can actually ask. Like uh, I, they'll say it to me. And I can't even repeat it back. It's like in one ear, out the other. Like I just, my brain doesn't retain it. And then yeah. like my buddy, Justin, that travels with us, he, he remembers them for the rest of his life. Mm. You know, he'll remember all 10 phrases and he'll remember it forever. <laughs> and he'll be able to repeat it back to you. And like, I'm like angry at him at the same time, but also like so <laughs> envious. I'm like, you know, like, how do you do that? Like, but yeah. then also like, I hate you that you can do that. You know, it's like, do they, it, are those things available? He's got a wealth of information, that guy. That guy's nuts. Um, like, you know, like when the, like the NATO and the UN and stuff like that, they have those ear things in that translates into their native language where we're talking. Like, are those available to like, like, do you can buy them? Like, I think there's like the cheaper versions of those. Yeah. I've never used them. Oh, okay. Um, but I think there are, I, th I mean, I think they're like, I say cheaper. I mean, they're exp still expensive, but oh, I got you. I've seen them advertised, but I've never, I've never, looked I've never used it. them. Yeah, I never looked into it too deep. That would be awesome. Like that's always like the question, you know. Like if you can have a superpower, I struggle with that because like teleportation would be cool. But I think I would be want to be like know every language. That'd be really like cool. a C three PO, like just be a yeah. translator. You know, you know everything because I just, I mean, communication is life, and that would just be awesome just to be able to like. You know how much amount of respect you would get in a foreign country if you could just, just start talking in their native tongue and sound yeah. like them and not make it sound like, you know, broken English or like anything else. Like you just start busting out Portuguese and German and, you know, everything else like that. That that would be immensely valuable. Like I'd take that over like $10 million. Man, I, I wouldn't make $10 million. <laughs> <laughs> I went to this uh, Lunar New Year dinner at the Dem Sum King or whatever it's called. And it's like for the Chinese New Year. And I went with my friend Zeb and his buddy came. And his buddy is just like some guy, like just typical American guy or whatever. And so we're sitting at a table full of like Asian doctors and they're like talking. And then he starts speaking Mandarin. 
And they were like blown away. They're like, because he lived in uh, China for like five years. And they did, none of us, well, I remember Zev had mentioned that he lived there, but I didn't think he spoke it fluently like he did. And they were so taken aback. Were they like really excited or something? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Were, they thought because like he's like he told Zeb he's like y'all thought I was bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> he's just rattling it off, man. But that is a great skill to have, man. I would. How's yeah. your Spanish going? It's going. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm on like 190 days Day straight. straight. Yeah, you're doing so, that like uh, Google app. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never done that. I had somebody, I got to do my Spanish homework, and I'm like, what are you doing? So like, do you? I can, I can read it better than I can speak it. Really? Yeah. Because they speak so fast. Yes. That would be the, I mean, I speak fast English. I, that's I, when I have to make sales phone calls or whatever else. I'm always like, talk slow, talk slow. I was talking to somebody in one of my accounts. Uh, I think I was on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday. And the guy goes, do you speak uh, Gujarati? And I go, I can understand a lot of it. Uh, I can speak, I can speak some, but I understand more because that's where I retain more of. And he said something and it was like, Bruh! I was like, no, nah, man, you have to go slow, bro. Like, you have to say it slower to me. And then when he finally said it slower, I, I could, I was like, oh, you asked me, you know, what my mom's name is or whatever. I can't remember what the question was, but like, he went so fast. I was like, I, I have no idea what you said, man. Sorry. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm envious of anybody that can speak, even two. And that's another thing, like, that always drove me insane. Like, when you get like, and I think it's a lot of times people with, you know not worldly views, smaller viewpoints, like smaller minds, like they'll like dog cuss the customer service person, you know, like, Oh man, like I got, you know, I got a foreigner on the phone or whatever else. And they talk so negatively. And I'm like, that's their, at least their second language at least. And they can at least hold a conversation for you. It may not be up to your standard. It might be broken English in your, in your mind, but like they can hold a conversation. They can read, they can read it, write it and speak it. And it's at least their second language. If not their third, third, yeah. 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 And, can you speak another language? You know, it's like, yeah. um, like no. And I'll, I'll answer that. That question 99% of the time is always no. Like the person, it's like the same person that has like road rage, you know, like you ever driven with that guy that has like crazy road rage, and like use your goddamn blinker. And then they never use their blinker. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you're like, uh, and you're sitting oh. there and you're sitting there quiet in the passenger seat. Cause you're afraid of it. You know? oh, like, but it's like, and, and kind of a little bit, what we were talking about with relationships. Like you're going to, you're going to, project that onto them. But yeah, like, you know, like they don't even speak English. I'm like, do you speak another language? And the answer is always no. And I'm like, that's tough. And that's impressive. Like, yeah. and they get so mad because they want something so quick or they're just impatient and they're, 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 they're racist or they're just yeah. angry, you know, like whatever it might be narrow minded. Um, that's always, um, you know, baffled me how you'd be that like, I mean, for lack of a better word, ignorant, you know, and, yeah. I, and, I, and I feel like I, I was, I did get some of that, you know, just a little bit. Um, and travel helped me with that. Like, that's one of the things that I think of. Like, so I'm like, that's like the light bulb kind of went off, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, they know, like, thank you so much for making my trip enjoyable because you know, multiple languages. Like, I don't, I can't do that. And it's also like envy, you know, like I can't do that. So like, I'm envious of that. And I don't know if I've always stayed in Tennessee or Mississippi or like never left my hometown. Would I have that same mindset, you know, and that, I mean, that doesn't give you an excuse, but again, you can understand how you get there, you know, especially if you go into a foreign land, you're on their territory. So why would you expect them to speak English? Yeah. You should be grateful. Yeah. Perfect English. That is, you know, like, yeah. And people get frustrated all the time with that. Like, this is like, don't go. Like I see that like on reviews and stuff. Don't, I hated it in, Spain because 
they didn't speak English. And I'm like, I'm like, you and there, it's, it's, it's Espanol right, and that, it's what they speak there, my guy. You're visiting, you're the <laughs> guest. Like they, they don't have to, you know, yeah. or they get mad at the person because they can't speak English at the hotel. Like, really? Like, why are you, why would you, they, they're not, they don't have to like cater to you, you know, like you can go somewhere else. A lot of Americans are entitled. Oh, extremely. And I think it's, it's like you mentioned, I think it's a, a frustration that you're the foreigner. You're the one that doesn't speak the native language, so you're irritated basically at yourself, but you want to take it out on them. Oh, yeah, good point. Because, like, I remember we went, I went to Tim Hortons when we were in Madrid. I was like walking around during the day because I wanted to pick up like a souvenir or something. And I remember we had went to this restaurant the night before and they didn't speak any, any English in there, or whatever. And I think I was like just pointing at the sign, trying to pick something out, and it wasn't what I pointed out. <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't be upset because it was me. I'm in their land, you know. I just didn't speak it. But yeah, I remember this distinctly. Remember when we were in, in Barcelona? I went to a taxi, and uh, this one guy was like, go, "Go over there, go over there." And I went to the next one and got in the taxi. And then I think when he heard me, he realized I wasn't. I think they have, they don't like Africans over there. Mm-mm. And he was like, what do you think about these Africans? I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. <laughs> I don't fucking live here. You know, I'm not one of them. But like when he heard me speak, he's like, oh, you're American. And, and it was so, unchanged. Yeah, it was a different vibe once he found out I was American. But that's that's a, like a, a, you know, a reset. Like, oh, shit, I'm the outsider here. Yep. You know, I sound funny here. I mean, it, it, I mean, I sound funny in Memphis. But, <laughs> <laughs> but the, yeah, I mean, like. I would say at least like 40, 50% of the time when they find out an American, they just immediately want to start talking politics like mm. Trump, you know, Obama. Like, I mean, I've been through like all like when the whole Trump Obama thing, now it's the Trump Biden thing, you know, like they immediately just go to politics, like right off the bat, you know? And, um, I'm like, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to talk about that <laughs> shit in America. I definitely don't want to talk about it when I'm on a trip. But, uh, um, yeah, that's like, that's crazy to me. Like they are, we are, Locked there, they are very locked in. Like, we do make the world turn in, in a lot of ways, but I mean, we also bring the arrogance to that. And so, like, we bring a lot of hatred upon ourselves, you know, for the way we we handle ourselves in those types of situations. And I don't know, again, I was probably on the negative end of that 10, 12, 15 years ago, but yeah, I mean, I'm envious of those people now. Like, I, I have mad respect for people that that take the time and effort to grow that. And it's, it's wealth, it's knowledge, you know, it's extremely important and it is more readily available to them because they know that's how they can advance themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're taking advantage of that. So, yeah, I I wish I could speak multiple languages. I would, I've tried to do the babble and like all that other stuff and it just, I can't retain it. I can't, uh, it's hard, man. I think it's something you got to be immersed in. Yeah. If you you, know, you got to live there or watch something or have somebody speak it to you all the time. Mm-hmm. Or like, I think they say you should do like 15 minutes a day or yeah. something is what the, the study shows to like actually absorb the information. How long is your, your program? I mean, they only make you do one lesson a day. Oh, okay. But you can do as many as you want to. And I, that's what I need to start doing is make myself do more. Because like I said, I've been consistent with the days. I just need to be more consistent with the time I'm doing it. Yeah, it's momentum. You just got to get it downhill. And then it, it you probably have a lot of like 
plateaus and increases, plateaus and increases. Like you see jumps, you know, yeah. and a lot of people just get discouraged and when they're on that plateau and, and then you're, you know, you don't know how close you are away from that next jump. You know, I've asked my friend Alex Matricia to teach me Spanish, you know, like, Hey, let's have a conversation like every day. This is like when we were younger. And like, I think I asked him like maybe like two years ago, they're like, Oh, just go, just go to my mom's house and sit there with my mom. I'm like, I don't want to go to your fucking mom's house. I want you to call me and talk to me Spanish. Well, you were telling that story about, him being able to speak Mandarin. So when I was in between the mortgage industry and the insurance injury in industry, like I, they, they closed down like my mortgage office when the market crashed in like 08, 09. And just had a job, didn't have a job. And that happened at like 1130 in the morning. And then I was waiting tables at my buddy's Mexican restaurant like that night. You know, I was like, I called him. He's like, call my dad. Cool. Like, cause I picked up shifts there in high school. I mean, in college and, in and out of work, I always worked like Cinco de Mayo. And like, I mean, I grew up on a farm. Like, I have the mindset of I'm always going to be, I never go without a job. So like, I didn't have a job. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a side hustle. I didn't have anything. And so I, I went home and got some black pants and a orange shirt and went and served Mexican food at La Hacienda, you know, like, and when I was job hunting, I was working there. And the one girl that ran the place that I was at for a little while, like she hated me, like because she was like she she was afraid of the unknown. She didn't know like who I was while I was coming in, she, and she ran that place. And I mean, I was like one of the own. I mean, everybody was Mexican, you know, or spoke Spanish, one or the other, and and I just knew they were talking about me, like mm. stop. <laughs> and so the girl I was dating at the time took like six years of Spanish. She took like four in high school and like two. And I was like, just go sit at the bar. It's like, I'll pour you margaritas <laughs> and bring you chips and salsa and like, tell me what they say. Yeah. And so she did that. Like, like would show up like an hour before I got off work and she would sit there and they would just thinking she didn't know how to speak Spanish either. And it had been going on for like a month. And these, the wife of my, or the, the mom of my buddies, the girl that managed the place and another girl. And um, the mom liked me, but she also treated them like family, you know? So, and I can't remember exactly how it happened, but the girl I was dating at the time, like responded back to them in Spanish. And she spoke very good Spanish for a gringo, you know, and their faces were like, <laughs> they were petrified. They were like, they went, they were like, Oh shit. Like we've been doing this forever. <laughs> And then they, they stopped. They, they never spoke about, you know, but they, they weren't saying like a ton of negative things, but yeah, the, the, the lady that ran that place did not like me. Cause she, she was afraid I was coming to take her job, uh, you know, like one of those type things. Yeah. And, um, not that, and we got along sometimes, but yeah, like we be butted heads, you know? And then the, the father, the, the guy that ran them all, he ended up moving me out to an Italian restaurant in Carterville to, to run that until I started working at Liberty Mutual and the insurance world. But, uh, yeah, that was hilarious. It was so funny because I was like, just I'll pour you margaritas. You, we can we can start our night. You can start our night early, you know, <laughs> and she was like eavesdropping on their conversation. And they just would go at it. And then they would say negative things about me, you know, wow. like, and um, it's just crazy how people assume that you just can't do that. Yeah. And you would ne and you just wouldn't. I mean, you would look at me. I mean, a lot of people think I'm Spanish or like everybody else. Or I have like my ball cap on and glasses everything else they'll think I, I can speak spanish like people just talk to me sometimes when i travel and, and just start speaking spanish to me thinking that i can just because i'm dark complected and like you know i kind of kind of look that way and 
Um, I'm like, no, I can't speak shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, can, I know like, I know like five words, you know, like, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's crazy how people make that assumption, especially about Americans. Cause they, they do think we're stupid in that, yeah. in that regard. They know that we only usually speak English. Mm-hmm. So they take advantage of that where they can. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine was going to that spa or the salon and she got George's dad to go in there and he spoke, fucking spoke fluent. But yeah, it's just, I, that, it's true, man. They probably do talk a lot of shit about us. But I think there's a lot of us, like you said, that go over to these places that give us a bad name. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're they're better than everybody else because they're in another country. Yeah, there's, def- there's definitely that they feel that we're assholes and entitlement and everything else. So, I mean, I just... When it comes to that, I just try to kill people with kindness. So um, you can make your own judgments, but I don't necessarily have to fall into the negativity of it. But yeah, yeah they, I mean, I've had, I've had some, I've never had any bad situations, you know, um, truly. Like there's been some things that were kind of squirrely or whatever else, but never. And that's like, everybody's like, oh, you live in Memphis. Like I get that all the time. I have to fight that battle when explaining stuff like all the time. Um, and I hate that. I love Memphis like so much. And uh I definitely protect our city when anybody talks negatively about it. It has its flaws and I agree with some of it, but like the, the whole like Memphis and Nashville, like rivalry or like how they, they look down upon us and everything else. And Nashville's freaking amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I was there the last two weeks for training at work, um, Monday to Wednesday, back to back weeks. And you go out on Tuesday night in Nashville and it's, jumping, jumping in, in, in March, you know, like it's still kind of cold outside. I mean, so like, I get it. Like there's anytime there's like a feud like that, there's validity, but then you also like extremely overstep your bounds or push it like way out of the way. But like I've lived downtown Memphis for it's going on like 15 of the last 17 years. And I've had my window busted once and my truck got keyed, but that was an ex-girlfriend. So like that doesn't even count. Um, And I've had my truck broken into three times, all three times Nashville. Really? And I'm like, you're not invincible. You're not holier than thou. And like, I, I understand. And if, if Memphis isn't for you, then then pack your shit up and leave. You mm-hmm. know, like you don't. Like, I never understood that. We're like, I can't leave. I have children. I have a job. Well, they have your job in every city in the United States, and they probably pay you better in those cities. Now it might cost more to live there, but you, it's 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 laziness why you haven't left. Not because you can't. Yeah. You know. And I get that a lot too. Like, well, must be lucky you can travel the world. You don't have kids. And I, I know it's easier said than done, but I would travel with kids. Like I, w- I wouldn't be able to travel as much as I do, but I would still do that because I see the value of it. Like yeah. it's made me like I'm a 10 times better person than I was 10 years ago. And I give a lot of that to travel. So why would I not want to introduce that to my child if I had one? <clears throat> and like, would I be able to do the things that I do? Would I have to back down? Like, hell yeah, because the kid's expensive and everything else. But, like, I follow, like, the bucket list family and, like, other people that do, like, social media where they travel with their kids. Mm. So it is possible. And I feel like if I had a child, I mean, I already am a hard worker as I as I am, but I think I would work harder, you know, and I think I would be further along maybe or whatever else. So, yeah, I mean, if I had children, a wife, both one or the other, I, I would still travel. And. I mean, I hope that my sister and my brother-in-law give me the opportunity to travel with my niece and nephew. Like right now I take them out for their birthday. Like let them pick and we just do like a whole day of just me and them. Like I would hope to, I eventually want to evolve that into like going on a trip. Like whether it's a long weekend, if it's a week, you know, Yeah. and hopefully I'm financially able to, to do that for them, you know, and, uh, 
that's definitely a goal of mine is they give me the trust and the responsibility to, to do that. But like, where do you want to go in the world? Pick, mm. I'll book a flight and go to Paris for four days. You know, you know, I hope to be able to do that because I think like that's immensely valuable to like people. And, uh, I like being a part of something like that. I like being able to do that for people like this, this, that family I was talking about earlier, they've never used a passport and they're going on a 12 day trip to Europe. That's, that's awesome. That's, awesome. that's going to be a huge thing that those kids will remember for the rest of their lives. And hopefully it's a stepping stone for them to be better. You mm-hmm. know, like that's something cool to be a part of. And maybe not, maybe they're little shitheads for the rest of their life. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know who they are really, truly. So, um, I mean, and that's just, you know, we've hit on a lot of that. Like people don't take advantage of everything, but mm-hmm. as long as you give people opportunities, I think eventually it'll click or eventually it'll be right, you know, and eventually it'll, it'll help. And I think that's important that you got to keep trying. Yeah. I would love to do that for like a underprivileged person. Yeah. Like to send them somewhere. Yeah. That would be super cool. Need to look into something like that for sure. Cause I do a lot for St. Jude and then obviously Alzheimer's has been big on my radar the last like five or six years, but yeah, something like that would be pretty awesome that would never get to experience it. I, I, I don't know how you would vet the, you know, finding somebody deserving of that. Yeah. You know? like a make a wish for non-terminal people. Exactly. (laughs) You know, like, or like even like if they had like a show where somebody took travel, they took somebody for the first time to a place that they've been or they neither of them been there before and they experienced together. It'd be a really cool TV show. Yeah. Anything like that. I want, uh, I thought about applying for the amazing race, but I I think you would do really good at it, man. I, I actually did apply and I made like the first cut. You have to do like a video, but they they want your relationship, whoever you pick, to have like some substance and like mm. diversity. You know, I mean, like y'all would be a good combo. You know, like you know, for just you know, I you, would leave him. Yeah, you would be a left. <laughs> I was, I'm, talking, I'm talking about like the initial like demographic. He'd be, like, he'd be like, oh yeah, 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 and I get there. He's like, sorry man, I gotta leave you behind. Right. <laughs> I can't climb this hill, Tony. Race me, race me, Tony. He's like 17 people ahead. He's like, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for my thing, for applying for that, I don't have somebody I would choose. Is I mean, I could choose like Justin, and we probably do pretty well. Um, but um, yeah, because he could like translate everything and talk his, you know, his brain is just ridiculous. And then I could do like the the whatever, like the physical stuff. And Justin knows like he 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 would be able to like retain everything. So not that I can't do some of that, but yeah, his his brain power is just on a completely different level than most people I know. Every time I see a video of some place, I'll like send it to him on Instagram. I'm like, have you been here? He's like, yeah. And I asked, I think I was asking about like Saudi Arabia or something like that. And he's like, yeah, I've been on to like to the border, but they really don't want Americans coming in because like the, you know, the culture yeah. reasons or whatever. He said, pretty much if you're not a Muslim, they, you're not. Yeah. You're not in, getting in. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's crazy. Yeah. But he, and then the best thing about him is he'll give you like stats, whether you want it or not. Sometimes you're like, all right, that's too much. Like, uh, I'm done. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, he he knows like three like fun facts on like anything and everything, yeah. whether it's sports or travel or you know anything. Uh, it's just crazy. His that dude was on our trivia teams and he just knows everything, or he doesn't know it, but he can like get to it mm. by because he knows this and this and this, and he'll connect the dots and he's like, I think it's this, and then we're like, 
where did that come from? You know, like, I, don't even, I don't even know how you got that from big brain of yours. Yeah, like, I don't know how you got from A to E, but cool. Yeah. We're writing that down. You did know? y'all meet in college? Is that how you became? Yeah, from him? He was, he was in grad school when I came to college, but he was in my fraternity and uh, just salt of the earth, man. That, everybody loves that dude. Like, I don't know anybody that says an ill will about that man. Um, Cause uh, yeah. And he's the one that got, I mean, he's who I credit for getting me into travel. So like, he's a great friend. Um, and just, uh, yeah, just a smart dude. But yeah, he was one of uh, my fraternity brothers and uh, I think he was in grad school. So he, he used to make the best. So I, my sister's two years older than me in college, in college. We're only 15 months apart. So I would come down and visit her when I was in high school. So I basically went to Memphis because I wanted to join the fraternity I did. I liked all the people in there. And my brother, my brother-in-law was in my fraternity. He was dating my sister at the time. And so I met by knowing my sister, she was pretty involved on campus and she knew a lot of people, but obviously she chose to hang out majority with my, ended up being my fraternity brothers. But when I would come down the couple of years before I got to college, I made promises to other people that I would give their fraternity like a chance. You know, even though I knew I was going to go there, I wasn't going to just blindly do that. And that was the way that I've always been taught. And the way my brain works is I'm going to turn over every rock, even though I know that big shiny one over there is the one I'm going to take, you mm-hmm. know? So I got what was called a summer bid and I'm standing there and everybody's about wants to go crazy, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, thank you. I'm 99% sure that I will be accepting this as soon as possible, but I made promises and I'm a man of my word. I'm going to go and, and do that. So I went to, I immediately went to another fraternity house and cause they we used to do like Wednesday night porch parties or whatever in, in Memphis. And so I went over there to one of them did that in the next like two or three days. I went to like all the other people that I had made that promise to and let them, you know, kind of wine and dine you or whatever else, you know, and Saturday night was the, you know, the Saturday before we started school on like Monday or Tuesday, we had our party and I accepted my bid like that night and pledged. And so I walk up and Justin used to make punch like hunch punch and stuff. And then he had this beat up old jalopy. I don't even, I can't, I can't, I cannot even tell you what it was. That's how, like how crappy this car was. And in the back of it was just like, uh, liquor boxes, like empty, like liquor boxes. And there was just two liters of all different punches and Justin's like caters and, and takes care of everybody. He's definitely a, the host, the host, uh, at anything he does. And he had like, he had like eight different flavors and it was like all this other stuff. And he just walked up to me with like a two liter of Sprite and it was purple drink, P.O.T., you know, and he was like, here you go. And then my sister comes up to me. And she's like, what is that? Where'd you get that from? And I'm like, I got it from I got it from Justin. And uh, she she goes up to him and she starts like screaming at him because like that shit, that shit fucked you up like bad. And I had a whole two liter of it. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there 18, just chugging it and whatever else. And then I get on to I have another one. He gives me another one. And that's that was stupid. But um my sister sees it again and she's like mother hen. She thinks she has to take care of me and like everything else. And she's like, you have another one. And she goes up and she starts screaming at him and he looks at her and goes, Oh no. And this is how smart this dude was. Even in college, he made separate. That was just straight up Kool-Aid. <laughs> so for that, for that drunk girl that was like, I'm not too drunk. Give me that. You could yeah. give her Kool-Aid and still think she was getting drunk. Uh. Um, I think I heard y'all talk about like, they servo duels instead of like real, you know, yeah. same, same principle. Right. And, um, 
he was like, and I'm sitting there, and of course I get this like little puppy dog face. I'm like, oh, you gave me Kool Aid, <laughs> and then my sister walks off, and he's like, it's not Kool Aid. <laughs> he's like, good luck, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but he told uh, my sister it was that it was yeah. Kool Aid, and she was like, oh, okay, and then walked off, and then he, and I was like, man, you gave me Kool Aid, that's fucked up. He's like, that's definitely not Kool Aid. <laughs> so you're gonna feel it in the morning. Yeah, I promise. Gonna, don't die. <laughs> you know? I remember hearing about him before I ever met him. I always heard that he threw these parties by one five two. I was like, who's this Hipner guy everybody keeps yep. talking about? Yeah, his I, that was a good story because like his his brother or sister, I can't remember which one, came across somebody like I think in like Colorado or somewhere. And they were like, Yeah, we 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 rent this place above Bill Street. It's like a, a condo or an apartment. And they were like, I've never heard of that. Like, what are you talking about? And then so they messaged Justin and Asked and apparently it was not used. It was right next to 152, which I think it was like and there was like a there's a doorway and steps up, and it was probably like a thousand square foot. The people that had it signed a 30 year lease, and they were like on the last like six years of it. And in the lease, whoever the leasing company was, they could break the contract in like the last year or the second to last year. But they had this thing for like 25 years, 24 years, and they moved away and they just sat there. Nobody was using it. Whatever else. So, like, uh, Justin's family, like, took over the lease because it was, like, it was something stupid. I, I mean, I don't want to misquote it, but it was something like you, you got the whole thing for, like, $4,000 a year. Wow. Jesus. Or something like it because it was 30 years old. You yeah. know, like, they didn't, the, the value of money had changed. And, like, I was like, we should Airbnb the fuck out of this and make some money. And he's like, nah. And so he just, like, three or four times a year would throw a party. He makes, like, jello. He made jello shots and, like, everything else. And, punch and would get it catered like not get it catered but he'd have food like he'd get other people to make stuff and yeah those things were fun because it was like right next to 152 and you just go up and had like windows and like a fireplace in there wild yeah and uh he had talked about like uh somewhere it had came back up where he could have purchased it or something really and because we 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 talked about like the insurance ramifications Mm -hmm. of that and stuff i don't even know if that ever came to fruition or not but uh it was uh yeah that place was awesome we he would throw like Definitely a Halloween party and a Christmas party. Did like a tacky sweater party, a Halloween party, and that's kind of where the the um, the Halloween party that we threw for a long time for, oh, for okay. charity, like that's where it kind of spun off from. Is mm. it started from that little um, that loft um, above above Bill Street, above like like to the right 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 next to one fifty two. That place was all. It was just completely random, like completely random. Like, how do you meet those people that have that lease? Like, <laughs> and then my brother still lives there. Like, and that's what it all kind of evolved from. That's wild, man. Yeah. Small world for sure. Well, it's almost three in. I don't want to take you to take up too much more of your time. You want to ask me a question? Oh yeah. But, uh, so I got a question. Are you, what is your definition of happiness? And are you currently happy? Um, I think for the most part, yes, uh, I am happy. Um, my definition of happiness is just, um, you know, finding what truly makes you excited and just working for that. Cause I mean, I don't think anything's easy. Um, life, work, love, um, all that that takes work and you got to be able, if you're seeking happiness and a hundred percent or whatever it is, you got to put in a lot more work than, than what it appears on paper. And, uh, so for me, I, I believe in self growth and, um, just being better every day, you know, you're going to take steps backwards, but you know, you just always need to be moving forward. So, yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm again, I'm not a depressed person. Um, 
I'm kind of blowing around a little bit in the wind, like that feather in Forrest Gump a little bit. Oh, yeah. But uh, I think sometimes that's good. You know, you need that to be able to to get back. So um, start a new job, you know, and everything else. And it, 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 it's been going good. So, yeah, I mean, like overall, I'm, I'm very happy. I have my highs and lows like everybody, but yeah, like my life's, my life's good. What do I have to complain about? You know, there's people way worse off than I am. And uh, yeah. So to answer that question, a hundred percent. Yes. And just always work, you know, you got to push forward. Good answer, man. I like that. If you were going to die today, what's one thing you would regret that you didn't do? Man, that's tough. Um, well, if I died today, I really regret not going to Bali since it's been canceled three times. <laughs> but uh, um, man, that's a very good question. Um, for me, um, I mean, it all stems from my mom. I I wrote this like when she passed, I wrote this like couple paragraphs on like Facebook or whatever. And one of the things had a lot of people reach out to me and said, you know, like, you know, obviously so sorry for your loss, but like, you know, a lot of like moms that reached out and said, you know, I hope that's the way my son like feels about me when I die. And one thing I put in there was, um, like you've been my best friend my whole life and I didn't really know it until like the last half of it. So for me, um, I just don't try to hold on to grudges anymore, which I was very bad at. It was probably like one of my worst traits. It's like, fuck you. I'm mad at you. Like I'm going to be mad at you for life. Like public enemy number one. And, um, I started doing some, I haven't done it this year. I did it. I started last year and I I had it running for like four months and I thought it was a really good idea. My friend told me that, uh, they call it like motivational Monday. So they just said that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, um, pick one person that like makes your life better and let them know that because like Monday suck, right? Like most people don't like them. You yeah. got to get up. If you got the normal, uh, Monday through Friday, nine to nine to five, eight to five job, be like, Hey, like, this is why I love you. Thank you for being who you are. Just want you to know you're really important. And I did that for like four months. Just picked a new person every Monday. And I thought that was awesome. I need to get back to that. That's a good, thanks for reminding me of that. Um, and it not only did it make your day better, it made their day better. And then probably makes it more likely that they're going to make somebody like, you know, the, you know, the trickle down effect, you yeah. know? So for me, like um, my biggest regret is just like, I didn't realize that early, you know, like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get back and you gotta put in. And I've always been a philanthropic person. Um, but yeah, I just, I just regret big, like not making those connections and making that, making that effort at a later date and, and then straying away from that. So I just, my, my goal is to do that. And, um, I have huge regrets and I, you know, like I, that's probably what I talked about most about a therapy was like, I don't have a relationship with my dad and that's a choice. Um, and then when you're, when you have a parent pass away, you're like, am I going to regret that down the life? And I've, I've talked through it and figured it out and everything else. And I cho- still chose not to really have a relationship because it doesn't bring any positivity in my life. So, I mean, yeah, I just, I re- always regret when I'm negative instead of positive and it happens daily. So I fight through that and, um, I try to try to do that. But yeah, my biggest regret is, um, my relationship when I was a dumb college kid or even early on, not truly realizing and respecting what I had mm. with my mom for sure. The, the quality. And then I see it every day. Like the good in me is definitely from that. So that's something I'll always regret and you can't get that back. So it's tough. 
So what is your advice for people and what mark do you see yourself leaving on the world? Um, I mean, I think I already hit on that. Just try to grow, try to be better every day. You know, if you have goals, write it down and keep your, hold yourself accountable and then just, you know, kind of push through. And then, I mean, I, I don't feel like my mark has been done yet. I mean, I don't have kids. I mean, I, I try to bring a different aspect to my niece and nephew's life, you know, and that's what I come across. And, uh, yeah, for me, I mean, I'd like to maybe continue to grow this travel thing. And again, it's the best thing that's happened for me, um, as far as my self growth. So I try to, even if I do that for one person, you know, I try to incorporate that for them. And again, back to what we've been talking about for the last five minutes is the trickle down effect. You can help one person. It might seem very minimal and not monumental, but you don't know the compound of that, you know, and how it spreads, you know, kind of the reverse of what we were talking about with the generational thing, you know, it starts with one and then you want to go back 10 steps and it gets to like 4,000, you know, or whatever that number is. So that's the same thing. You know, one becomes two, two becomes four, four becomes eight, you know, and it continues to go. So, yeah, I mean, I hope to just get more people to be able to travel, see the world and uh, hopefully that makes them less of an asshole and everything's better. <laughs> yeah. But like some of you mentioned earlier, uh, just a second ago, where you're talking about like keeping yourself accountable. That's so true. I mean, if you're not going to keep yourself accountable, what are you what are you doing? Like, like if you generally we are our biggest enemy, like we stop us from doing the most stuff. And I don't know if it's outside forces that stop or start that creep it in your head or it's something internally. But you have to quiet that bitch inside you that that doesn't want you to be great. And yeah. if like you got to look at like, it's like, why don't I do this? Well, look at the word I, <laughs> that's the problem, man. Right. You got to figure out why you're not doing it. And like, that's awesome that you're even seeking therapy. Because like I said, a lot of guys won't do that because they just think it's, it's, you know, we've been indoctrinated this whole thing that like you're not supposed to ask for help and all this other bullshit. So that's great. You're doing that, man. Yeah. Uh, something I was always afraid to do for sure. But I mean, I, obviously, I don't mind talking. I'll talk. I'll talk to a brick wall. Um, so it's good, man. It, it. I love it. I mean, I was really apprehensive about it and kind of afraid to do it. But yeah, I mean, I come out there. It's like getting like a shot of adrenaline. At least for me, mm-hmm. like I come out there like uber motivated. You know, like oh man, like that to do list that you only scratched off two of seven or you know three of eleven, and you're like, why don't I get to this? It's not that hard. Or like always have the thing where like if you're working out or whatever else and you're trying to drink the gallon of water, like why can I sit there at the bar and drink 13 beers, but I can't drink a gallon of water over an entire day. Yeah. And it's all mindset and we don't use our brains. Like we don't, we stop reading at 18, you know, whatever else. And you were fighting that. Like you only, you got the cliff notes of the book instead of like reading the actual book, you know, you cheated, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I come out there like rejuvenated and it just makes, makes me want to do everything better. Like I'm like, like there's like that whole time when you're driving home and you're like, do I go to the gym or do I just keep driving? You know, like when I come out of there, I want to do everything. Yeah. And that may not be the way for everybody, but for me it is. So it became addictive, you know, like, I mean, I can't afford to do it. Like, um, I mean, I guess I could, I just wouldn't, it would, it would steal from something else, you know, and I'm not willing to do that. So, I mean, I, I, when I feel like I'm getting on a low, I call in and be like, Hey, like I want in as soon as possible, but just put me on the schedule, you know? And, um, yeah, it's great. It, it, it gives me a shot of adrenaline. It definitely pumps me up and, makes me better just to talk about it, you know, and you need it. You, I mean, they don't tell you what to do. It's not like, Oh, this is how you fix your life. You know, take two, two of these in the morning, you know, see me in two weeks. Like you answer your own questions. 
but you get you get out of your head, you get out of your way. Yeah. You know? And it's um, and they lead you. And if they're if you find the right one, I, and I went to like seven different people before. A lot of it's very religious based here, which mm-hmm. I am not religious at all. Like, um, so you kind of find it. Um, and if you know it's not right, don't continue to do it. Yeah. You know, like find somebody else. There's somebody out there for you. But that, a lot of it is very religious backed, and that, that's just not gonna. That's not gonna work for me. Yeah. You know, like. Um, so I, um, finally found the person that I'm comfortable with and that doesn't rely heavily on that. And it's good. I love it actually. So I need to go back. Actually, I have that on my calendar to do on Monday is to schedule one. So how important is the fitness part of it for you as far as your mental? That was kind of about the same time of travel. Like I was like a skin and bones or I was like, I was like a fat skinny guy in college. Like I had the beer gut. I only gained weight in my lower abs and my neck. So like my, I can't button my shirts to put a tie on, you know, like um, when I was really fluctuating weight in college, but I mean, I started lifting and working out and doing like hit classes and I started doing CrossFit, but it was so bad on my joints. I quit. Um, that's huge for me. Like I can feel it when I don't do shit. Like I, and like I suffer, like I don't even want to get out of bed, you mm-hmm. know, like, and I'm, I usually go to bed like at one or two o'clock in the morning and I'm up at like between six and six forty five. Like I don't sleep. Yeah. And I know that's unhealthy, but, um, I've always been that way though. So, um, it's huge. Like I can tell way different on my productivity and just the way that I interact with people. Cause I mean, I'm, I, I'm a, I, I do sales on both sides. So I interact with people, I'm selling them something. So things like words flow naturally. Like I don't have the, the lulls or like, I can't remember like mm-hmm. words and stuff, you know, like we are just so mad. Everything just seems to work better. So like I try to go at least four times a week and, and I have not actually like, is like community like gym. Like I have pretty much a full gym in my condo downtown. I've got a Peloton and elliptical and like free weights. So like when I'm watching like the Grizzlies game or whatever else and, um, I go get a beer or I pour myself like another glass of wine or something like that. I'll do like 20 push-ups and like 20 curls. Like I always try to do like little small things when I'm at the house, when I know I'm not really doing positive things for my body. Yeah. Like sitting on the couch, watching a movie or whatever else. And like during COVID, when like I opened up the refrigerator like 50 times a day Mm -hmm. and didn't even grab anything out of it. If I opened up the refrigerator, I did like 20 crunches. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what I made myself do at home. You know, like stuff like that. I try to be like, um, like challenge myself like that, you know, like, um, so that was always good. Like I was like, Oh, you open up that fridge, even though you didn't grab anything. Cause that's all we did for like those like three months. Yeah. Like we were stuck there. So I try to do things like that. Like get, it doesn't have to be like a 45 an hour workout, but you do 250 crunches over a three hour, you know, football game. Like every time you go up to use the bathroom or every time you grab a beer, just knock out 15, you know, I do stuff like that. How important would you say like your physical is in sales? Do you think people would judge you if you were less than? Yeah, I think it's for at least my company. Like my company is like a, I'm an independent broker. I'm a risk management advisor. So like my new my new position is basically dealing in insurance sales, but to the high net worth. Yeah, more more so than just it's quality over quantity now. And I learned I've learned more in the last like five months about my actual job, like insurance than I did in the previous 13. Oh, wow. Like just like risk management avoidance and a lot of other things. It's very, been very eye opening and really glad I made the transition. But I was in, like I said, I was in Nashville for the first half of the last two weeks and 
it there if it's a if a girl if a girl gets hired she's usually extremely attractive mm. um and i mean most of the guys were good looking guys you know fit guys you know like everything else so like um in sales i think it matters a lot i mean there's it's not everything and or anything else but i mean it was um yeah i mean most there was there's very few that that aren't it's almost like cookie cutter a little bit and yeah. it's kind of crazy. So, I mean, it, it matters. It definitely matters. Um, but it's not the end all be all. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're not really talking to them. Like we do a lot of web calls, like when, like we schedule stuff where we could throw it up and stuff. But I mean, most of it is not, but you have a bio, you have a LinkedIn page, like uh, this company's heavy, heavy LinkedIn. Um, and, so, I mean, that all matters, you know, and they were, I mean, we had a whole session of like updating your bio, like a 10 minute thing about like, you know, just headshots crap. Like get a better one, you know, yeah. like, and that was like, what our team leader was telling us, you know, wow. like, and uh, like, yeah, this isn't good and you need something else. It needs to be shoulders up for guys. And like, um, so yeah, it matters for sure. So, I mean, it's an important part of life, but again, I, and I'm not going to say that there isn't a vein portion of it for mm -hmm. sure because there is there is definitely a vein portion when it comes to the gym and everything else but i think mine's very much less than other people's like i don't take gym selfies and i've hardly ever i never post that i go to the gym yeah you know like um and if i do have like a shirtless pick or something and there's because i was on like in uh, maui yeah like a, a yeah. i was like my, my best picture that one of my dating profile pictures is I was in the Maldives, you know, but I didn't even want to take the picture, you know, like I'm just not that type of person. Um, and Krista's coming on to y'all show, um, you're y'all recording with her tomorrow. She told me the stat and I don't know the exact numbers, but I don't like taking pictures of me in my landscapes. You know, like if I'm in front of the Coliseum, I just want the Coliseum. I don't want me in it. And people have to like convince me to do that. Mm. And then, so when I first started the idea of doing this travel thing, I first started off doing like a blog and she, I made a web page and paid for it and set it all up and never even put it on there. Like I got it all like the pictures and everything set up and never did any content. And she's like, you have to start taking pictures of you in the, in the thing. And I'm like, I don't have tits. I'm not a girl who cares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she's like, now that is true. Like all the Instagram people and everything else, you put a girl in front of the Coliseum and, but even with guys and whether or not you're quote unquote, the status quo, like attractive, like you're going to get at least like three times the hits, three times the volume, by mm -hmm. just putting a person mm -hmm. that somebody knows in there. Yeah. And I was like, you're full of shit. And she was right. Like I started doing it. I just tested it out and like would post this picture and then post the other one like a couple of days later. And the other one would get like three, four or five times the hits, you know? And, uh, cause she's like, she does a lot of different things. She's owned a gym and, but she does like a lot of like, marketing and internet stuff. And, um, she told me that and she was 1000% correct. And it's crazy. Like I just put me in there and it's the same thing. It's gorgeous, gorgeous picture, you know, whatever it might be. And you just add a person to it and it's, it gets like three. And if you're obviously, if you're a smoking hot girl, it's going to get 10 times the, you know, the yeah. volume. But I was like, that's what I told her exactly verbatim was like, I mean, not verbatim, but like, I was like, I'm not a fucking chick. Like I'm not a hot chick. Why does that even matter? Like, and she's like, it matters. And she was right. Like 1000% right. So yeah, I get that, social marketing. It drives the world, man. So yeah, I don't, I don't do it for vain. I, I get much more volume for, um, my functionality to my day to day mm. life. But I think when you're like 80, I think you're gonna be glad you have that shirtless pick. 
Oh, for sure. Or I, I think I think I'll probably feel better at eighty. You yeah. know, by doing that on a regular basis. But I mean, CrossFit like destroyed my elbow and stuff like that. But as long as you figure out things that you're not you're doing way more positive than you are doing negative. Yeah. Like I'll, I think I'll I won't be have less likely of needing a hip surgery or a knee surgery. Like I'll have a better walk of life. Like I, when I travel. I see like 80 year old people walking up mountains and shit. Yeah. Like I did, I did the Inca trail and I went solo, like as far as me, but it was, I think it was 13 or 15, like people that paid for it. And we had two guys and like the porters on that are crazy. We had like 30 porters for 15 people where they, they, they regulate it now where they can only carry like 50 pounds on their back. But they're like running up the mountain, you know, like, Jeez. but we had this guy from Germany and he was 67 <laughs> and it was three days uh three four days three nights and it was tough like the, the the second the second full day it was a tough climb you know like we got up to like uh taller than the highest peak in Colorado like you know we got over 14 14 four is the highest peak in Colorado so we got up to like 14 eight 14 nine he's 67 and he was the last in our group don't get me wrong but we had like two get two guys from Chicago they were like 26 27 all the way up to 67. Like it was him and then me and another guy were like in our forties and then everybody else was in their thirties or twenties. But yeah, like I feel like if you stay in shape and everything else, and I'm not talking about like bodybuilding or like six pack in your forties, I'm talking about like you just work out and you can tell. Yeah. Or even if you give you give it effort and you and you try to. I mean, I don't know what that guy did. And he and he wasn't like, you know, physically buff, like they say, or whatever else, but he was able to do things. And that's probably because he did something proactive in his early life. Yeah. Health is wealth, man. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're dying, I guarantee you're not going to want money. You're going to want your health, and you know, or time. One, and one of the guys that we both have traveled with, he always wants to get in debates about religion and politics. And Justin and I are always like, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> we don't want to do it. And he, he didn't make a very valid point to me. Cause he always, he, he can't understand why I'm not like Uber, like Christian religious and everything else. And he just, when he gets drunk, he just wants to fight with me about it. And he did say something that it's tough to overcome. And he was like, I don't think anybody on their deathbed is not Christian. And I don't entirely agree with that because I hate that mindset that that Christianity is the only thing out there. And I think that's the biggest knock on it or somebody that completely advocates against it. And I'm not atheist or anything like that. I consider myself spiritual, just not organized religion. And that's tough. I mean, I feel like if you grew up in the United States, if you grew up around Christianity and you've chosen not to go that route, like if you had a gun to your head, are you praying to God? Are you praying to Jesus? You know, like you probably are, you know? And I think that that doesn't necessarily give you validity for your argument, but yeah, I mean, to your point, like you're not sitting there going like, man, I wish I had another million dollars in my bank account or anything else like that. Now you might want to have that to give it to your child. That might who you'd be thinking about like, but yeah, I'm not trying to do any of that to, you know, for those reasons, like I just want to live my best life. I'll spend every last, I mean, I don't have anything. I mean, I have my 401k and all my retirement going to my niece and nephew, but yeah, I mean, I'll spend every last dime I make on travel because it makes me better. And it's what I enjoy. So yeah, I mean, I drive an old truck. I don't, I don't, I'm very thrifty in ways because I want to pour that into my retirement and then my travels. And the reason why I want to pour into my retirement so I can retra- uh, retire early and travel more. Right. You know? yeah. So, like, yeah. Yeah. so like, I mean, there, there, there's a system to my madness. I'll drive that truck until it falls apart. But I mean, I could, yeah. I could go get a sports car tomorrow and, and, you know, afford that and pay yeah. that, but that's not what I want. It doesn't bring me happiness. Yeah. Like it might get me a date here. It might get me laid here. You know, it might do something like that, but that's not, 
going to sustain, you know, it's not what I want. I'd rather dump that money into my retirement. Mm. And that means I can retire at 50 instead of 62, you know, like whatever else. So like, those are things that drive me. Like I save, I save at least 25 to 35% of what I make to be able to retire early, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and I probably dump another 20% into travel and then I pay my bills, you know, and I don't have many bills. I've worked for that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I do. And, and to each your own, you know, like if that makes you happy, then go do that, you know, like, and, th- and there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to drive a new sports car every year, then like that makes you happy. Then and I know people that that does, you know? So yeah, I just, I think just find your happiness and find what makes you tick. And hopefully it's something that improves not only your life, but other people's lives and run with it. And if it means buying a hooker in Vegas every other weekend, then go, then go do it. You know, like, I look at me. He's looking right at I was me. looking at both of y'all. <laughs> I like it. Not, though. Hookers, hookers are us. There you go. I mean, if that makes you happy, yeah. I probably doesn't probably makes you more sad, but you know, like, yeah. I'm uh, paying for sex. It's a box. Like, suck I mean, my dick. Right. But uh, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever brings you that joy. Hopefully it sustains longer than, you know, a couple pumps and then you're all right. (laughs) Now I was looking straight down like this. Oh, God. What do you think happens when we die? And who would like to give appreciation or flowers to? Um, That is my biggest conundrum. I mean, I was born Catholic. My mom and my grandmother, two of my favorite people, um, heavy Catholic. And my, my, my parents didn't get married in the Catholic church. So my mom couldn't take communion. And I never understood that. So she had to sit there. It's like Catholic. You get up, take communion at the end. And mom just sat there. And she was like, she's the best human being I know, you know, that's ever walked this earth, um, you know, that I know personally. And what do you mean you can't take communion? And I was like, when you, you go through first communion, like at 12, and I can take communion at 12. And I didn't even give, you know, honestly, as a kid, I didn't give two shits about like what I was doing. My mom like loved that, you know. And then when my parents got divorced, since it was the, the, the marriage wasn't um, recognized. The divorce wasn't recognized. So she then, then like when I was 22, she could start taking communion again, you know? So like, it was just weird, but I don't know, like, cause again, I, I'm spiritual. I, it wouldn't surprise me if we started from a dust ball. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a higher being. I don't think it's the, the Christianity that especially in the South that goes on. Um, just because as I've traveled, there's people that the majority of the world don't even get to make the choice to be Christian. They don't even, they're not even exposed to it. So how could you be damned for that? You know, like I understand if you feel that you were, you were given the choice of being a Christian and not, and you chose not to do that, then that might be damnation. But like, um, so I don't know, like, um, there, I, there could be reincarnation. Uh, I, I'm one of those people that like, I feel like it's probably, a blend of everything, like a merger of everything. Um, or we just started, but that's the biggest thing for me is because like, I'll jump out of an airplane, I'll bungee jump, um, I'll do anything and I'm nervous about it and I get scared or whatever else, but I never think like I'm going to die. Like, that's not the fear. Like I hate the anxiety, like roller coasters, love roller coasters, but I hate the tick, 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 tick. Like put me at the 220 feet, drop me. Let's go. I like, I get like, like just antsy. Cause I'm a very like high energy, like kind of, I mean, people swear up and down that I do Coke, never touched it in my life. You know, like I'm just like raw, like all the time. And, um, that's my biggest fear is like, so, and it makes no sense. And I tell myself this like all the time, like if there is no heaven or hell, right. 
and you just die and then you just become worm food, right? So your brain works, 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 and then it cuts off. Like you, you'll never, you don't even know. Like to me, that's like the worst thing in the world. You know, like I have all these thoughts, all this knowledge, all these things going on and it just, it's like the tape ends. Like, yeah. And it just goes fades to black. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and like, you'll never know that it exists because you're dead. You know, like if there is no like afterlife and like, that's the things that gives me like weird chills in my body, you know, like that weird, like out of body experience. It makes me feel so uncomfortable, like so creepy. I hope that's not the case, yeah. you know, and that, and that's crazy that something that I'll never feel, never know scares the fuck out of me. Mm. And that's weird. And I don't know why that I have that feeling, you know, but I do. And I, I think about that shit all the time and it's weird to me. So yeah, my after afterlife thing is definitely up in the air. I would hope something like reincarnation. I mean, I think that that's the coolest to me. Like if you another if, shot, yeah, well, if you put good in the world then you get, you get an upgrade, you yeah. know, you go, Oh, you, oh dude. I yeah. never and, then, and then that. if you, yeah. and then if you, if you're a shit, shit person, then you get a downgrade and then hopefully the light bulb goes off and, you know, you become a good person right. and you yeah. get a best person. Yeah. And like, well, how did that person get so lucky? Well, maybe they were fucking awesome in four lives, you know, like, you know, that to me is the coolest because mm-hmm. it gives you like, gives you stake in the game, I guess, you know? Um, and, and then kind of what we hit on earlier, like a little detour here, a little detour there can make you a bad person, can make you a good person. And like, maybe you don't know, you know, yeah. Like, it's like the people that win the Powerball that end up like going crazy, you know, or doing, you know, awful things, you know, how could you squander all that money? you know, or we were talking about job before we started recording, you know? Um, yeah, that's to me, that's the best one. Yeah. You know, but who knows? I don't mean and that's the, the craziest thing. You won't know, you know, mm. you don't know till it's over. So, um, but I, I mean, I hope that there's something because that that's my biggest fear is that the light goes out and there's this, you know, like when you see on the televisions, the heart line and it just flattens yeah. when it flatlines out. Like you won't, you won't ever know, but that's, that frightens the shit out of me where well, your brain is just working and it's gone. And then on the flowers, um, I mean, you can't give flowers to people that are gone, you know, um, obviously I'd pick my mom and my grandmother. Um, I love to send flowers. Like that's like, it's not even a move or anything like that. Like if I have a really good first date with some, or like a second date with somebody, like, um, you know, you go to their house. Like if I really like somebody and I'm on a, like date's gone well or date's gone really well and you're at their house, you know, like I'll like snap a, a picture of like their magazine thing and send them flowers. You always send flowers to girls where they can show it off. I learned that in college. It was probably the best move I ever made when I was in college when I was not suave or anything else. Not that I'm saying that I am Drinking now. the Kool-Aid? Yeah. <laughs> Drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm not saying that I'm Mr. Smooth now or anything else like that, but that was the best move I ever had. I had a girlfriend and called her friend and asked her for her work address for Valentine's day. And so she, of course, knowing that she was going to call her and tell her that I asked for her work or cause they worked together. I was like, what's your work address? So, and then she's like, why? It was like right around Valentine's day. And she's like, you're going to send, you're going to send her flat, like Leslie flowers. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I was like, she's like, okay. So she gave it to me. So she, she told her, so she waits all day long to get the flowers and she never got them. So then she's like pissed off at the world or like pissed off at her friend for telling her that or whatever else. Well, they had their sorority meeting like that night and sorority up until a long time, they wouldn't let you have sorority houses in Tennessee because yeah. they were whore houses in Memphis. We did, they didn't have, uh, they didn't have sorority houses. They had a, a meeting room, three stories and everybody had their own little fancy room they went to. So I got them delivered to the front desk of that. So every sorority girl in university of Memphis had to pass by these flowers 
at night. It was like seven o'clock, seven o'clock at night. And then they're like, who's it for? And it had her name on it, you know, and like her full name on it because they were delivered there. So she's pissed off at the world. Like I'm even like, I'm even like texting her or whatever. I don't even know if there was texting then, but, um, and I was getting a very like short, like what time are we meeting? What time we, what time are we meeting? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Like, fuck you. You know, I got to get my flowers. And then she showed up in front of like 600 girls. She got her flowers. Mm. Yeah. I got laid that night. So it was, that is a great (laughs) fucking story, bro. (laughs) So if you can, if you send flowers, always do it to, uh, (laughs) if closing's your deal, always where they can show it off to the most people. Wow. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming, man. Yeah, guys, it's thanks for having such me. Such a good conversation about all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I appreciate it. What's your uh, travel thing called again? So people can uh, you up? Okay. X, uh, on Instagram. It's just uh, X marks the spot travel, all cool. all one word, and um, got a lot of pictures of the travel that I like to do. I do everything but Disney. Really, I refer that out because I don't want to touch that with a ten foot pole, and I don't think I'm an expert at it. But uh, yeah, if you want to reach out. Um, I can help you do anything from small weekends to anything on your bucket list. And then if you got insurance needs out there, I also do that well here locally. So um, that's the two things that I, I, I love both of my jobs. They're very, I take very much pride in them and definitely see the value in both. So I appreciate the time and the plug and everything else, guys. It's been fun, man. Yeah, right, always. I right, appreciate it. Later.